humans have to die. This is the first moment where we can say death is a maybe. Brian Johnson is determined to live forever or die trying. Which he believes may happen in our lifetime. Everything we understand about reality may be called into question. The tech genius is worth $800 million and has pledged almost every cent of it to uncovering the secret to eternal youth. If you had an algorithm that could give you the best physical, emotional, and spiritual health of your life, would you say yes to it? And so we looked through all the scientific evidence, and we put all the science into me, and then I became the most measured person in human history. What's your relationship with God? This is such a delicious conversation because I remember in Mormonism... Delicious is great, right? <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome flagrant and today we are joined by a 46 year old man with an 18 year old cock yeah. and if that doesn't get you interested i do not know what will he has spent millions of his own dollars to never die give it up for brian johnson okay first question and we're going to get to the cock we're going to get to all these different things but do humans have to die for the first time in human history it's a question it's a maybe Hmm. This, is, this is the thing. This is the most significant revolution in 200,000 years of being homo sapiens. Okay. Death has always been inevitable, and that leads to all the solutions we've had about death. We say live fast, die young. We create religions. We create stories about death, how it renews and how it's great. But this is the first moment after 4.5 billion years where we can say death is a maybe. And why do you feel it's a maybe? If you look at the the speed of progress of artificial intelligence and the gains in medical technologies, it's possible that we will be able to arrest aging. Can you explain how AI would help? So if you take, all right, so we, humans are the most intelligent, we are a formidable form of intelligence. Humans can solve things that other biological species cannot solve. We've built um, computers, we've built the internet, right? We can, we can go to the moon. And so humans have this formidable form of intelligence. We do these things. Now, if you say AI is this new form of intelligence, it can do the things we can do, and it can do other things better. And it's improving at a rate that we can't even imagine. So if you apply AI to the problems we're trying to solve in any domain, it's stunningly good. So for example, you take a problem where um, in AlphaFold, this is uh, DeepMind, Google owns this AI company. They try to figure out how do proteins fold. Proteins are a string of amino acids. And there's more possibilities of, of proteins folding than there are atoms in the universe. It's this computational problem that is unimaginable. And everyone thought it was going to be impossible. AlphaFold solved it computationally. Hmm. And so it's able to take these impossibly hard problems and solve them at stunning speed. And so so the idea is that it could be applied to reversing aging or reversing the decay of organs. And if you could position it in that way, we could solve these problems that look like- Yeah, you said arresting aging, but it seems your goal is reversing because arresting aging, if you're 80, who gives a fuck? You can yeah. take me. So you think reversing aging, not just arresting? Both, yeah. Okay. There's slowing the speed of aging and then there's reversing aging damage that has happened. They're two distinct problems. Mm -hmm. okay. Do black people age better? <laughs> uh, have you ever tried shooting some black guy in there? <laughs> I've heard it doesn't crack. That's like the big thing. Maybe that's why you age yeah. so well, because you have a very black name. You might have been out by Brian Johnson, we did think that you were a black dude. Brian with a Y. That's a little cultural appropriation. But do they? I mean, you've looked into how people age. It seems like sometimes black people age really well. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just like. People know how much money they have in their bank account. They know how many social media followers they have. They know how much they weigh. 
soon everyone's going to know their speed of aging. There's a clock inside of you. That the is one time black people are slower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that should, I mean, there's, there's, there's clocks. There's, there's clocks. <laughs> 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 right. Are you You're saying that not all white people age bad? Like, <laughs> so bad. But you're aging like a regular black guy. Okay, okay. But have they found that out that there are certain races that just age a little bit better? That is an interesting Al's question. Al's 73 years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah he drinks Don't. Kool-Aid four times a day. <laughs> Three. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's data showing that peop different people in different circumstances and different environments, different lifestyles have these different clocks. Yeah. So mm. we're starting to get a bigger picture where we can get a very granular understanding of what it means to be a given person in a given environment with a certain lifestyle. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I started doing this. Um, I lowered my speed of aging the equivalent of 31 years. So my body now clocks age at a speed slower than 86% of 18-year-olds. So as you age, as you get older, you age faster. It compounds. You see this? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes right? You just see it. It just starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a compounded law. Ah. And so younger people accumulate aging damage at a slower speed. And so you want to take your aging clock mm. down as much as is possible. There, is there a predictive power to that? So like in 10 years, how old do you think you'll look or how old will you have, you have aged? Yeah. These, so these clocks are new. They're based upon a technology called DNA methylation. They're not yet gold standard evidence. They're still what's called silver standard because they're not, they're not tied to all-cause mortality. Where if you have markers like cholesterol or other things that have a lot of a lot more data, phenotypic markers, mm -hmm. and so it's really an emergent phenomenon. But it's cool to say like, what's my clock? So, yeah, you know, like having a baby is stressful. Yeah, for you and your partner, Tell me about everyone. It. And so, uh, it would be interesting to look at your clock before now, before pregnancy, before, yeah. during pregnancy, post birth. And again, the clock is the rate of aging. It's not your what we would call like true age. So you're 46 years old. But what would your true age be if you could? Uh, I don't know how you would figure that out. Like, yeah. So I'm hundreds of different ages. So, for example, my uh, my left ear is 64. Okay. My heart is 37. My cardiovascular capacity is in the top 1.5 percent of 18 year olds. My diaphragm is age 18. So I've I've measured. I've be, you know becoming the most measured person in history. We said the only way to understand age is you have to look at every organ of the body and then age that organ. And so yeah. you know intuitively that a baby's heart is different than a 90-year-old heart. They look different, <sighs> yes. function different, they have different cells. And so we basically said, how do you age every part of my body? Sorry, the ear thing is, is like your hearing is bad or just the ears, because I know ears continue to grow. Is that all it is? Uh, so yeah, looking at the my ability to hear sounds. So between 4,000 hertz and 12,000 hertz, I'm basically deaf because I shot a lot of guns as a kid. Mm. And so I, I was right-handed, and so I got the exposure on my left ear. Holy shit. And so we still haven't been able to fi figure out how to fix aging or hearing damage on the ear. Uh. But yeah, that's one example where you look at my 18-year-old son, same test, and he's got you know straight, uh, straight line hearing all the frequencies. Mm. I'm deaf in that range. So you get this good enough to actually turn back age, let's say, hypothetical scenario, right? Yeah. Where people can bring their this real or actual age there to you know, bring it down. Do we start treating people based on their actual age then? Or maybe we don't use actual, uh, their health age? What is the- Biological word? age or yeah. maternal I mean, like, age? Yeah, I mean, a woman was hitting on me yesterday. I was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm of age. 
right? Like it's, it's but you could be it's complicated. You could too young for her. the belt. Yeah. But I'm saying, that, yeah. oh, she could be molesting you. That's insane. That's insane. Oh, he's just a 18 year old boy. Different. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, you can't even have sex anymore. But, yeah. Exactly. So I mean, I'm playing, but like kind yeah. of. But, are you afraid but, like your erections are going to go too young? Like right now they're at 18, but what if they keep going down? Then yeah. that's kind 14. Of, oh, pedophiles are going to come after you. Yeah. Exactly. It will be kind of legal. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> also, they found a way around the system. It's so funny. He's such a man. The things they figured out first is cock his abs. His no, you really figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. Man. You can't hear women. And you can have sex all the time. <laughs> I mean, that was the true goal, right? The perfect Stop man. working. The perfect <laughs> man. Yeah. Okay. Are there, because the average person is not going to do what you're doing, right? Like at this point in time, the average person just doesn't have the time. I know that you think it's capable, they're capable of it, but we're going to go into like how sophisticated your routine yeah. is. And they might not just have that discipline. They might not have that time. You might have not had that time at a different yeah. part of your yeah. life. Can, can we just start baseline? What are like the five, six, ten things that the average person can do that doesn't change their life too much but can greatly impact longevity or slowing that clock? Yeah. So it's really good news. There's a few power laws everybody has access to. Okay. And you get the majority of the benefits that I've achieved. So one is don't smoke. Okay. That takes uh, around 13 years of life off. Mm -hmm. 13? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, what about an occasional? Like, you yeah, know, yeah, out at a bar once a week. <laughs> yeah, is that still taking off thirteen? Is it, the same as somebody who smokes um, daily? I don't actually know what the quantity is. Yeah, okay. but I, I suspect it probably. If the power laws probably just don't smoke generally. Okay. Um, All right. Don't smoke. Don't smoke. Fuck. Yep. The second power law is exercise, six hours a week, mm -hmm. and Got so that. that's. Uh, the nuances are four and a half hours in zone two through four. So that's your heart rate of like 120-ish through 150, 160. Mm -hmm. And then 90 minutes above, 159-ish. Uh, depends upon your chronological age. Okay. Number three is a uh, blueprint or Mediterranean-like diet. Mm. Number four is a BMI of 18.5 to 22.5. What is Mediterranean-like diet? What does that mean? It's like the blueprint diet is uh, a lot of vegetables, lentils, berries, nuts, seeds, I, I personally am a vegetarian. I'm vegan, but people can do meat. It's fine. It's uh, basically it's not it's a diet that excludes junk food, fast no food, shit. packaged food, packaged food, sugars. Yeah, mm -hmm. just like trying to avoid the bad stuff. And why meat? Why aren't you on the meat? Uh, it's because you know we we are baby steps away from superintelligence. Okay. And I hope that as superintelligence emerges, there is a scaling law that as intelligence increases, compassion corresponds with a one-to-one -one ratio. So it's not a health thing. It's an ethical thing. It is a I hope we survive existence thing. And so I... It's so I, hope, yeah, I think you're trying <laughs> you to control mean, all these you internal compassion variables. compassion to like the chickens. Compassion, oh, yeah. compassion for all intelligence. <laughs> I, was so good. I was like, we're going to get nicer to each other once we get super intelligent. I, didn't really, but, no, I, I really yeah. think it's he's doing all this work internally. Yeah, yeah. And imagine the environment falls apart. This guy's trying to live forever. And then the, the earth explodes. And it's like, well, uh, fuck, dude, why do I do yeah, all this work for? Yeah, yeah. So, so like, here, like, here's like the essence of everything I'm doing. Yeah. So the thought experiment is this. So imagine if we could whisper in the ear of those who lived in 1870. We would say, psst. 
There are new ideas about these microscopic objects that cause infection. They're called germs. Now, if you lived in the 1870s, you'd probably hear that and be like, that's fucking nuts. Yeah. You're telling me <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. the shit I can't see with my eyes. What a conspiracy theorist yeah, this guy is. Exactly. Yeah. This yeah. Misinformation, yeah. yeah, yeah. And now, if you, were in, if you were open-minded, you'd say, huh, okay, so you're telling me the doctor should maybe wash hands before between surgeries, clean the instruments before doing this or that. Like the majority of people would be like, that's fucking stupid. Right. Mm. And you probably died. Now, yeah. if you were open-minded. And so the question for us is if the 25th century could whisper in our ears, what would they say? Yeah. They'd say, Stop what? drinking. What? Stop smoking. Yeah. Yeah. Stop the cruelty and the suffering of other organisms on Earth, probably. I don't know if they're going that far. <laughs> yeah, for I don't sure. know if they're going that far. Especially because there will still be, be eating chicken in the here's 25th a question. century. When there is 3D printed meat and all that stuff, you have no issue at that point of eating Who ages the best? Black people. Not saying they love chicken. <laughs> but I'm, just, I'm just saying there might be certain protein solutions that fit within the diet. Uh, sure. I mean, this is the thing. is like meat is... Veganism or meat, it's so tribal. The moment you bring up the topic, it's just, like people, it's just warfare. Yeah. And, and it's yeah. like, I just don't want to step into it. It's fine. Do your thing. But like the, he did. He's what like, I, keep what, killing yourself. Yeah. I think what the 25th century says <laughs> is they say, don't die. If you, if you think about this from like a century time scale, we look at the 15th century yeah. and we say, okay, there's 20 things from the 15th century that matter. Everything else, we're just like, ah, didn't happen. And the same thing is true for the 17th century. Like we just, 99.9% .9 of what we do today in this world is going to be gone. Completely forgotten, yeah. Just forgotten. Says. So if the, from the 25th century vantage point, and so don't die is don't die individually, don't kill each other, don't kill the planet, and align superintelligence with don't die. If you basically say, okay, we are baby steps away from superintelligence, what do we do? Do we use AI to fight better wars? Do we use AI to kill people better? Do we do use AI to create more social media followers? Like what? What is the the essence of what's happening in the universe in this moment on this planet at this moment? Can you break down super intelligence to us uh, plebes over here? Yeah, it's probably how like an insect intelligence in view views us. Like some somewhere on that spectra of what can an insect accomplish with its intelligence? And then what can we accomplish with our intelligence? And you make that, you do that comparison and you say, we are probably a few orders of magnitude more intelligent than that form of intelligence. And AI is going to be orders of magnitude more intelligent. Like a is million it limitless order. intelligence? I mean, TBD on, you know, what the scaling <laughs> laws of intelligence are, but whether it's a million times smarter than us or a billion times smarter than us, hmm. It's that. And so if you say, that, and if you look at the speed in which it's progressing, yeah, it's, we can't internalize. Like we are, even though we try, we are blinded to a speed of progress. And so if you say, if, if this is a situation where we are on this continuum of intelligence and there's this new thing emergent, what do we do? Hmm. And then you say, okay, hey, capitalism, what, what's the answer? Or hey, socialism, or hey, religion, or hey, whatever, whatever, so whatever ideological movement you want to point to or structure, and to me, there's no answers in society. Nobody knows what to do. So when you talk about the 25th century, it is conceivable in your mind that you could be talking about yourself 400 years from now and be like, oh, this is what I thought 400 years ago. Yes. 
that basically when they say when you when you listen into their conversation they say we appreciate the 21st century because in that moment they did this that allowed intelligence to thrive in this part of the galaxy what did they do like how do they compress the whole 21st century mm-hmm. they figured out the only thing to do was don't die that was the single imperative of all intelligent life Why? so you want to be a magellan Yes, and Ernest Shackleton. Yes. Oh. Yeah, basically I view myself as an explorer to say in this time and place, what is the most ambitious and impactful thing? Like I, I genuinely, I care more about what the 25th century thinks of me than I do right now. I, I see you talking about that a lot. I don't care what anyone thinks about me right now. And is it because you have admiration to the, for these people in the past? Because my education is primarily from reading biographies. And so I'm reading people of previous centuries yeah. who do impossibly hard things. And it's as predictable as anything that they do a given thing or see a given thing. Everyone shits on them. Yeah. They do it anyways. It becomes inevitable. Yeah. And then society adopts it. Galileo. And we forget that. Yeah. They take your pick of any number of examples. Mm-hmm. And so if you, if you care what people think right now, you're playing a game of the moment, which is fine. Like definitely a cool game to play. Also, uh, it's going to be swept away in history guys uh come march i'm going back out on the road i took six weeks off obviously for the little one now i gotta go out there and you know build a college fund real quick i will see you guys on the road thank you guys so much for grabbing tickets uh we have nashville okay houston uh austin texas and we added another one in phoenix um, you guys can go grab tickets to those right now. This month, it's going to be wild, man. Philadelphia, thank you for selling out the shows. Then San Francisco, thank you for selling out all four shows. And um, damn, Tampa and Miami, thank you for selling those out. I appreciate y'all so much. TheAndrewShows.com, uh, the Life Tour, man. Go check it out. Also, guys, your boy got some dates. Oklahoma City, I'm not going to lie to you. Them tickets ain't selling. I've been selling out a lot of shows. And then Oklahoma City came along and fucked me right in the mouth. Can I be honest with you, Oklahoma City? I don't know what the fuck else you got to do. That state sucks. You know how much it sucks? White people put the other Indians there as punishment. The fuck you think you got to do? You think you got better things to do? You don't. I'm telling you that right now. February 23rd and 24th, bring that ass through. Native Americans, come up off the reservation. Let's fucking make fun of the white folks together. And if you're not there, we'll make fun of you. Because you're not there. Also, March 1st and 2nd, Greensboro, North Carolina. March 8th and 9th, Stanford, Connecticut. And this is big. March 14th through 16th, Donia Beach. That's Miami. I'm coming back to my past and future home, hopefully. Buy the fucking tickets. AkashSingh.com, Donia Beach. There's other shows. Tempe, Denver, other shows. Jacksonville. I'm coming through Duval County. But... Point is, y'all need to buy those tickets. Also, uh, real quick, May 10th, Los Angeles. Y'all should buy those tickets for the improv because I promise those will sell out quickly. But March 14th through 16th, Donia Beach, let's sell out. You know what I mean? Miami, let's do this. Akashling.com, let's go. When did you develop that? Do you always have that? Because you used to be a much more emotional person, it seems, based on what the way you talk about your past life. Hmm. Um, I've really, yeah, I guess I've really always enjoyed playing on different time fields. Like school was very hard for me. I, I really hated getting, being, sitting in class it was so slow and boring. I just wanted to go out and learn on my own. And I, I found biographies to be the coolest way to learn because you could really sink in and understand the person in their time and place. Hmm. Like not just read about World War II, but like read about someone who lived during World War II and what was happening. Like how did Nazi Germany rise? Like what hmm. was it like to live in that society mm-hmm. versus like this person got assassinated and it triggered this war and then mm-hmm. this army moved from this front. So, yeah, I really, I wanted to understand reality with the level of granularity that I'm to model out what happened in that time frame. 
Hmm. So you thought understanding their specific lives gave a better understanding of the scenario that they were in. Yeah. They, they were my friends in my mind. Like in, when I wanted to talk to somebody about a given problem, I had studied them what so much. What would Shackleton do? So your, you peers, him. so your peers whose approval you want is past figures in history, not the people you're around from a young age. Exactly. Now, that's fucking what, fascinating. What, does your wealth not play a part? Because I've noticed a lot of billionaires get a lot of money and then all of a sudden they don't want to die and they're all trying to live forever, put their consciousness in some AI and freeze their body or something like that. Yeah. Like, is, does the wealth have anything to do with it? So actually, it was a goal of mine. At the age of 21, I just I came back from Ecuador. I lived among extreme poverty there, dirt floors, mud huts. And my reality had changed. After being there for two years, I'm fully immersed in this culture. I came back to the U.S. The only thing I cared about was trying to make the human race better. I just had this fire burning, and I didn't know what to do. I wasn't good at anything. I didn't really have any, like, any skills. So sets. credit card processing is a natural <laughs> yeah, exactly. like, like, help for humanity. Yeah, like fog and mirror, you're qualified. Like legit, I just had nothing that was really, I was good at. Yeah. So I said, I'm going to make a whole bunch of money by age of 30, and then with money, I'm going to do something uh, interesting. And mm. then I set off to make money as the only objective. And then when I made the money, the question was, okay, I made it. Uh, what do I do? Like back on that 21-year-old goal. Now you can so, live forever to work your way out of the debt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cost. yeah. That's interesting. Okay, so the goal was just get as many, much you know, uh, money as you possibly can, and then you can make that change. Yeah. But it was always make change. At what point does it become, I'm going to stop us from dying? It was that thought experiment. So after I made the money, it was in 20, 2013, I made a few hundred million dollars from selling my company, Braintree Venmo. But then like my life was on fire. So I had um, three kids. I was depressed for a decade, chronically depressed for a decade. Suicidal? Yes. Oof. I desperately wanted to end my life. Like every day, it was my only wish. Okay, so you have this goal burning inside you, which is to save humanity. Yeah. And at the exact same time, you want to kill yourself. Yes. Wow. Desperately. Wow. Yeah. Put the oxygen mask on first, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's true. what they say. Yeah. It's legit. And, you know, I was in a 13-year marriage that we were struggling and then I just sold my company that I was leaving my religion. So like everything was broken in my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I first had to fix, get the mask on the face. And so in one year's time, I ended the marriage. I sold my company. I <clears throat> emerged from chronic depression and um, left, the, left the religion. And then I, I moved to New York. And you went to Brooklyn and you went to a house party for six hours. <laughs> I, I Is that to, true? I went to Brooklyn. I went to a warehouse party. I did. And it was my first time. I went with some friends and I, for the first time in my entire life, I started dancing. Yeah. And it was because I grew up, you, like we didn't really move our bodies very much. Yeah. And I started dancing at midnight or one, whenever we started. I believe it's called soaking, right? That <laughs> <laughs> emerged after me. Like, uh, I missed okay. that. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you would have been so happy. <laughs> you would have been Mormon to this day yeah. if you were soaking. His story would be forever changed if he could just soak. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Yeah. Okay, go on. And so then I danced for six hours. And I, then I was asking my friends. Molly? Where, Molly? Molly? Where, were you on some? Uh, no. No drugs, just, nothing? This is just sober. Uh, yeah, for a Mormon, it's like, you know, you don't need the Mormons. Mormons don't party. <laughs> no, he that? was drinking Mormons a lot party? in his unhappiness. No, no, no caffeine. No, no alcohol, you, no caffeine. Nobody. Were you no, not just drinking party, a lot? like music and dancing. So tame. It's so oh, tame. Yeah. yeah. 
You were, I saw. I thought you were drinking a lot uh, before that, right? When you were depressed, and that's still okay. No, no, yeah, it's just not part of the culture. Okay, yeah. So yeah, at six a.m. You're I was dancing, like, you're rocking, and what yeah. does it feel like? Is it the greatest night of your life? Best you night of my free? life to this day. To this, night? like, on one of wow. the biggest, one of the most important moments of my entire life, and it was just like. My mind up until that point had, I had lived in an existence where it was, here's what you can do as a human, a list of things you can and can't do. And that moment, it became a list, uh, not a list, it just became everything I could do. And my body moving was this representation of my mind now being able to move in any direction it wanted. Mm-hmm. And it was just this spectacular moment of existence where I, I don't know, somehow unlocked the body, unlocked the mind, and it just worked. And in a warehouse in Brooklyn, Hmm. So next, next day, what happens? What's going through yeah. your mind? You wake up. I'm like, where are we dancing next? <laughs> you, start <laughs> ch- yeah. you start chasing a little bit. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I had a crew. We were hanging out. We went to parties all the time. We were always, I, we were always dancing. Um, and like, I'm not even a good dancer. I just really enjoy <laughs> moving my body. Yeah. And yeah, then it was this question where I just got fixated on this question: What do you do? So you have a hundred, a few hundred million dollars. You can do something. One thing. What do you do? And I knew if I, when I oh, chose that given thing, it was going to take me a few decades to build. So you can't miss. You mm. can't be off. Oh, wow. I see, I see, I see, I see, I see. Okay, okay, okay. So how long is that deliberation period? A decade. So it's 10 years wow. figuring out what that project is going to be. Yeah. What are some of the other projects that you've dabbled in that uh, you're like, eh, this ain't it? Yeah, so I, the first DJ. thing I did... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. No, I did. I wanted to start DJing because I wanted to. I wanted to do the music. Yeah. Uh, I just started. I just started tap dancing though. I want. Brian, Brian, we need you to tap dance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We have to do yeah. it at some point today. We're tap yeah. dancing. I just, okay, I just started. Just, yeah, it's good material. Okay. Sorry. So yeah, the first thing I did is I, I put a hundred million dollars into a, a venture fund. I started investing. So this hypothesis was. Um, science allows us to engineer atoms and molecules and organisms. So we can engineer physical reality. So we're very good at computers and programming software. But if we have a problem like, hey, the coral reef can't sustain the heat levels in the ocean, how do you redesign coral reef? Can you actually design the biological system of coral reef? So I started investing in companies doing that, and I made 42 investments. And like one company, for example, if you take a, a problem like you want rose oil, because rose oil is an input for a fragrance or something. You plant a seed, it grows into a plant, you water it, you fertilize it, you harvest it, and you get rose oil. Now, the other alternative is you take a yeast cell, you program the yeast cell to manufacture rose oil. Mm. You don't need to grow it in a field. You don't need the fertilizer. You don't need the water. You don't need all the... Much faster process. Much faster. And you can do that with almost anything. Mm. And so I invested in companies that were programming physical reality, or even another company doing atoms, like atom by atom by Lego structures to build new filters or to build new structures to hold gas, or like there's infinite number of varieties. And so I was trying to basically say, um, we as a species, and this is before the pandemic, I said, we need to build a global biological immune system where we build the infrastructure that allows this continued survival. Uh, But we need to do so at a biological and uh, atomic level. So I spent so I wanted to basically be in the trenches of deep tech, like what's happening in science. Hmm. And so I got to hang out with these PhD entrepreneurs and I learned about all things science. Uh, it was for the first time in my life. That was fun. And then I built a, a brain interface company where we were trying to figure out 
so just like when you buy... Is this kernel? It's kernel. Yeah. So just like you buy a washer and dryer, before you buy it, you don't look whether the door is big enough for it to come to the door. You just know it's big enough because society has engineered standards. When you buy a car, it's like, can you get out the measuring ta- tape, honey? Like, will is it gonna, fit in the garage? Will it fit yeah. in the lanes? They would never make, yeah, yeah, yeah this like, is good. Yeah, yeah it's going to yeah, fit yeah. in the lanes because like, mm-hmm. we build according to engineer standards of what we can measure. But when we can't measure things, we can't build accordingly. So our brains is one thing we can't routinely measure. And so I wondered if you build a brain interface to measure the human brain, could we build society around our brains? and specifically around the wellness of our brains. And so we built this, this device, this wearable fMRI. It's like a bike helmet you put on your head, they've, and it's the first mass market uh, they've, they've done little things with this. Like I think the reason why phone numbers are seven digits is because we can remember yeah. up to seven numbers or something like that. I think our like short-term retention is up to seven numbers. So they have tried to do certain things around the way our brains function. We just yeah. don't understand the brain enough. Exactly. What, oh, that's so interesting. So you understand the brain. We could be walking on the wrong side of the street. Elevators could be moving too slow. Hmm. It could be too cold in the rooms where we sit. Whatever these things are, yeah. you understand the brain and how it functions at the optimal level. You build society around that. Exactly. Yeah, what a great hack. Yeah. 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 And how do you come to that even idea? That dancing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, it was like um, again. This I'm. I've been obsessed with superintelligence. Like as a species, we're we are at a make or break moment as a species. We either like are gonna win big, or we're or, gonna mm-hmm. probably annihilate ourselves. Do you do you have examples of how our brain is out of sync with how society yeah. is built? What happened to you? Where were you? Where your your personal brain was out of sync with society, and you're like, this is a problem that needs to be solved. What is that moment? Because yeah. that seems to be the catalyst for the company, right? Yeah, it's so it's um, so science begins with counting. When you can count a phenomena, you can engineer it with precision. And we can't count our brain. And so, for example, like I was, um, when we built Kernel, we were trying to find things we could do to make this intuitive. I thought, I'm going to do psychedelics on, with ketamine. I'm going to use ketamine, which is not a psychedelic. Ketamine is like an anesthesia, and a, you use it for surgery or whatever, horse tranquilizer. Yeah. So I did ketamine yeah. with this brain interface. And so the question is, people are using ketamine for the treatment of depression. It's also used for a party drug, et cetera. And I wanted to pose this question, what happens to someone's brain when you take ketamine. Because right now, you take it and people are like, how did you feel? What did you experience? And like, well, I was in this different dimension or whatever. But we don't have numbers to explain it. And so if you're trying to use it for the treatment of depression or any other, any other condition, having a quantified framework really helps. Hmm. Or is this drug going to work for depression? Or is this drug going to work for, for anxiety? Or like all the thousands of questions we have about our brains... What does this diet do? What does exercise do? What do my friends do to my brain? What does social media exposure? What does, and I fill it in with a thousand questions. And I wanted to provide a easy, low cost path where we could pose all these questions and then connect it with AI where now you've got this closed loop experience. Like imagine before you go to bed, you're like, hey, AI, help me get ready for bed. And you give AI like a few thousand sounds, a few thousand images, like, you know, and you- Access to your air conditioning. Everything. Your shades in your apartment. Exactly. The music that can make you go, oh my God. And give it real time, like uh, use the new Sora, you know, OpenAI's new video generator. Oh, give play it that whatever show. And be like, could... help me get ready for bed or help me get ready for 
this conversation. I'm going to have a hard conversation with a friend. And you're also feeding that AI your biological data exactly. in real time. Exactly. So it's adjusting according to your biological data. As you get deeper into sleep, maybe the volume slowly starts to decrease. Whoa. Within milliseconds. So your house is like a living organism that's reacting to you. Exactly. And an extension Fuck. of you. Exactly. This is, the, this is the fusion of all intelligence. This is what I'm talking about. That's why Don't Die Matters. Oh. It's not just about you, but it's about just an, our entire organisms of species. We're yeah, don't all look fused. at your house as just this shelter. Yeah. Look at your house as an extension of you. This is, oh yeah, it's, I mean, not to be critical of it, but like, if, if you're looking at Neuralink as just putting the chip in your brain to change that thing in your brain, it doesn't solve the things that your brain is reacting to in your world. But if everything in your world is not only an extension of you and other people, it's almost how the cells in your body work. Yeah. Aren't they constantly reacting to one another? Mm. Whoa. Yeah. So now it's kind of so like an creating, internet of things. Yeah, we're that, one organism. Yeah. Is that? We're linked. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Are you familiar with this idea of transhumanism? Yes. Would you consider yourself a transhumanist? Uh, I, I've avoided saying yes to any frame to avoid adopting um, frameworks I may not be familiar with. Like, I'm not, sure, I'm not entirely sure how people understand that word. Mm -hmm. So, like, for example, when I started doing this, people were like, hey, this is a tech bro or a biohacker. Or, and I said, mm. actually, none of those things. Mm. I'm a rejuvenation athlete. Mm. Because people would look at me, they say, he's nuts. He's weird. He's eccentric. Yeah. But then you look at LeBron James, and no one's like, LeBron, that's stupid, man. You're going to bed on time. Mm. You're eating well. So you're, you're an you idiot. You both spend the same amount on your body. We do. Yeah. And so he, I'm eccentric and weird, and he's amazing. Mm. So just reframe it. I'm an athlete. I'm a, I'm a professional rejuvenation athlete. Yeah, that is true, because you can get the negative connotation that goes with some of those framings. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, so back to this. So, so each... Uh, apparatus in your house becomes this extension of you and helps optimize you, right? Is that the idea behind this? But yeah. in order to do that, you need to know exactly how your brain is reacting to all these stimuli. Exactly. And have you been able to map the brain's reaction? We've done, yeah, we've done a lot of emotion work. This was Inquest? Or what, what was the name of this company? Uh, Colonel. Oh, this is Colonel. Yeah, this is Colonel. Okay, there was another one that you, doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Colonel, got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we looked at emotions. We've looked at uh, brain age, and uh, respond. We've looked at cognitive decline. We did a study around alcohol, for example, where uh, we had a placebo low and, and high level of alcohol. And when someone is at the uh, low level of alcohol, um, they become impaired, but the brain compensates for the impairment. So if you do a behavioral test, you can't tell they're impaired. But if you do, they put the kernel device on, you can see they're impaired. Hmm. And this is what happens to cognitive decline, that people start losing, you know, losing their minds for decades, but the mind compensates for it, for it, and then it manifests when the brain can no longer do it, which we saw in the high level of alcohol, where the brain became so impaired, the brain couldn't compensate for it. Hmm. And so kernel could show a mild cognitive impairment long before you start showing symptoms, then so you could do something about it. Hmm. So these are the things, like it sits invisible, but it's really important to know if you're starting to lose your mind, you don't want to wait and find out later on in life. It's only invisible because we're not measuring it effectively. Exactly. Yeah. That's why sound, science begins with counting. You need to have the data. Otherwise, you just don't know what's going on. Mm. Mm. And is this successful? Is this functioning right now? It is, yeah. It's in cl uh, clinical trials for both uh, depression and mild cognitive impairment. My dad has MCI. Yeah. So, so did my dad. 
Really? Yeah. Did he have, uh, did it develop into Alzheimer's? No, uh, still early stages. Early stages. Does he have the amyloid plaque buildup? We haven't had it tested yet. Got you. Yeah, this is my stepfather. He's pretty resistant to... A lot of these things. Doing much about it, yeah. Yeah, it gets tricky. And also as the disease worsens, they become increasingly more resistant. Uh, mm. But yeah, it's, it's really interesting how... So this is like the equivalent to people getting full body MRI mm -hmm. scans to try to catch cancer before That's it even exactly comes right. up. Mm -hmm. uh, the brain. Exactly is right. the brain more difficult to reverse aging or prevent decay than other organs of the body? Oh. Uh, each organ, yeah, has its own opportunities and challenges. Uh, I mean, for example, uh, one thing, I reduced my brain age on one marker by nine years. And so I, um, it's called white matter hyperintensities. And it's like, a, think of it kind of like a scar tissue a little bit. Hmm. I had it in large part because I had bad posture. <laughs> I read this up on you. Yeah, yeah, and so I did an MRI. <laughs> I know, it's so uncomfortable, right? <laughs> but it's like a very specific posture that you had to find, right? Yeah, so I did this MRI. I found that my... Uh, internal jugular veins, these pipes on the side of the neck who that come from the brain out, they allow blood flow. Uh, mine are congenitally small, narrow. So my posture, which I was probably like this, further made those veins unable to have those veins. Exactly. So you're not getting the blood flow that exactly. you need. Oh, so we wow. measured it with ultrasound, with MRI, and then I started working on, that's why I worked on posture so hard hmm. to optimize for blood flow in and out of the brain. And we measured this and I, when I did that, it reduced my brain age on this marker by nine years. Wow. Did you feel immediate difference yeah. in cognitive ability? I did. And how did that manifest? I, I had a lot of residual brain fog and I didn't know it was fog. It, it was. You drink some coffee or you do some sort of upper to kind of push through it. But in yeah. reality, it's just <laughs> your brain's dying. Yeah. You have no blood yeah. getting there. Yeah, wow. exactly. Hmm. Hmm. And I'm curious, of course, going the natural way is best, but how did you ever consider getting surgery, like putting a stent to just uh, I did. increase blood flow? Yeah, I was, yeah, I'm open to it. So stents haven't worked. There's mm -hmm. another surgery where they, it's really a risky surgery. So they go in, they slice you up on the neck. It, there's all these delicate muscles. Mm -hmm. And so basically no one has a surgery to fix this. Oh, mm -hmm. oh wow. Mm -hmm. yeah, I was open to it. But yeah, how many people do you think have this same type of thing where they're Man, not they're getting reduced blood flow? Thousands of people have emailed me being like, oh my God, I have been trying to solve this for a decade and like no one has given me answers. I've looked into it and like I've got it too. So it's more common than people think. I just, it hasn't been given a language. It's a very esoteric mm. area of medicine. Have, have you ever experienced uh, stress-related uh, breathing difficulties? Mm. I don't think so. Like almost like a hyperventilation state due to stress. Never heard anything about this. Mm. I mean, uh, oh, I personally haven't experienced it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there do you goes my question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have. Uh... <laughs> well, how did you fix your posture? Um, I got a posture. So I found a specialist who uh, is a specialist in this given area, and he taught me. And so. The easiest way to think about it is imagine you have a string right above your head mm. and you pull it straight up. And to build these muscles, it takes about six months. You can already, like, you yeah. already feel yourself yeah. tired. Yeah. And so you have to, every day for the first few months, you probably have to remind yourself 200 times. It's Fuck. constant. And then what? now it just becomes habitual. But then in my family, we have a, a culture of posture. So my son was like, dad's like an AI. He's like this. 
<laughs> and so now every time anyone in the family hears, everyone in the family pops right up. Pops. And it's just a nice thing for all of us to do because it's so easy to be like, you know, on your phone or like typing. And so just a cultural thing now we have the family. Do you think like Homo sapiens earlier had better posture? Mm. I have no idea. Like, I'm curious how, like, the historic precedent for yeah. human beings, like, I wonder if you feel like you're at odds with our evolutionary past. Like, are you trying to resist our animal nature that we came from, or are you trying to embrace and return to those elements? Like, yeah. better posture, you know, exercise, things like that. Yeah, this is, I think, a this is a, uh, a topic a lot of people are interested in. A lot of people make the argument, if it's time-tested over a certain duration of time, mm-hmm. there's some credibility to it, and the new modern science methods still have to prove themselves. Um, I really side on the science and counting part. If I can measure it, now I believe it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't give a default position of strength that just because something's been around for some duration of time that mm-hmm. it has the, it's in the correct position. Mm-hmm. I have a question. You left Mormonism, your faith. What's your relationship with God? I think it's one of the most beautiful ironies of our existence. I mean, the universe is irony, ultimately, every time you look at this. And so the story has been God created man, and now we're doing this thing. That's If you look at the stories all religions tell, it's typically that same tale. I think the truth is evolution created man, and man's going to create God. Okay. Or we will become God or something like that. Because yeah, so, so as a religious person, I think most faiths kind of say we all have God within us. Yeah. But then also they say kind of the goal of life is to break free of the life cycle, whether it's heaven and hell, whether it's breaking reincarnation. So as a religious person, yeah, it's interesting to hear. You, part of me really agrees with what you're saying. Like, yeah, we all have the ability to be God, right? You could solve humanity. Yeah. Like God would, make a utopia like God would. And then part of me is very unsettled by this idea of living forever and never, like essentially rejecting the goals of all religions. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, yeah, this is such a delicious conversation because I remember in Mormonism where um, <laughs> like your- Delicious is crazy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Made me feel good about myself. It was great. Great, to be honest with you. You ain't calling them your conversation delicious. Uh, okay, but go on, go on, go on. <laughs> I mean, I was told, like you have these rules to obey. Yeah. And if you obey these rules, you get the prize. Yeah, and the prize is an afterlife. So- the only thing you care about. And you made a few hundred million, you're like, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it from here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so you, you, if the world burns around you, not only do you not care, you see it as fulfillment of scripture. Yeah. And so I like, great. Like things are, are going according to plan. I have no responsibility to fix the world. I have no responsibility. Like, this is great. Like things are going really well. So my only responsibility is to play the rules of the system. And that really poses a very serious question because we can be respectful of all ideas. And then there's a very practical moment where we say, we may all die. And maybe we think we have this safety net where we're going to get the afterlife. Maybe we don't. But it creates a a real fracture in the species. And so this is what, I guess, why I come back to Don't Die, is 
the most played game on planet Earth every day, every second of every day is don't die. Yeah. We all breathe every yeah. few seconds to not die. If something happened in this room and we felt threatened, we would leave this room because we don't want to die. Mm -hmm. It's our number one priority, more so than this conversation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so every human on the planet, every second of every day plays don't die. Now you take one step above don't die and we fracture into a billion different games. We care about different things every moment of every day. And so if we have to say as a species, if we have to align ourselves around, around one thing, don't die. And so in that way, I think every religious group could come together this and is say- This a new faith, don't die. I mean, it is. it's already our faith. Yeah. It is, it's <laughs> yeah, already the faith. It's already, it. it's played more than capitalism, it's yeah. played more than anything in existence. And now like- I'm not it, saying this to argue as if I'm right, but there is a difference that it's a don't die for that finite amount of time. You wanna extend it, but the idea of living forever is different than- But given the opportunity to live forever, who's saying no to it? But see, the thing is, on Don't Live Forever, it breaks the human brain. On Don't Live Forever? Uh, on, on Living Forever. On Living Forever. On yeah. Living Forever. Like, we cannot understand what it yeah. means to live forever. So you say those words. Yeah, I don't know if I want that. Exactly. As you're saying. Don't die is more digestible than live forever. Exactly. We already have a belief that we will live forever. Like, as a religious person, you have this yeah. idea that our consciousness and our soul will prelong. Yeah. So, like, have, have you read Denial of Death? Are you familiar with this book? I'm familiar with the book. I haven't read it. It's amazing. Like, it's basically this idea that kind of, like, uh, brings together all these like different philosophers' ideas of like this exact principle that the ambient philosophy of all living things is don't die, don't die. and that all yeah. things that we do, like even stand-up yeah. comedy, like the yeah. approval of other people, is yeah. to not get rejected by the in-group to then prolong our existence. Yeah, and yeah, I just think at that point, like as even if you're a religious person, you still believe that you will live forever. So it's kind of already baked into us. Yeah. So it's actually the don't die is the ultimate cooperation game because. Everybody can have their various beliefs. Yeah, and, and still opt in. Totally cool. I, I, yeah, absolutely. everyone's cool. We're all going to cooperate together. You, you were right. This is delicious, dude. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've had delicious conversations. Yeah, me. Yeah. yeah, I guess I still I don't fully agree with that because I do think in religion again in the end eventually I don't think a lot of religious people want to live forever. I, I mean, just I have yeah. I don't as it is now in this moment. Your religion is the most run it back. Run it back, and then the goal is to break free of the life cycle. But what is nirvana? Breaking free of the life cycle. In moksha is living life. forever. That's the afterlife. Yeah. But it is freedom from desire, essentially all desire. I'm free of, mm -hmm. and that's when you reach moksha, which is usually when you break the life cycle. But that is again. But how long do you exist in moksha for? That's eternity. That's your soul. Your so soul. Yeah, we, we're already on board. Yeah. See, the I thing guess, is, though, we. We Brian's don't, just trying to make moksha here. We, we, you understand the difference between the paradise and then just... Yes. Yeah. It's getting so, less delicious, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> the elegance of this argument, though, is we don't need to grapple with... See the elegance? It's not delicious, but it's elegant. This guy's so you. good. He's so good. Okay, good. Okay, good. <laughs> don't die. Yeah. And tomorrow, tomorrow, wanting tomorrow is the same as living forever. They're identical You just want to keep concepts. on wanting tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> we care about tomorrow. That's yeah. it. Now, like, we can build reality based upon caring about tomorrow. And like, we all can have our own imaginations on what exists beyond tomorrow. Fine. Yeah. We all want tomorrow. And that's, if we want to bind ourselves together, we can then crush all the things that divide us into that we care about tomorrow. Let's not die today. And we just do that for some unknown duration of time. Hi, everybody. I'm wearing something different. Now, while we're sitting with somebody who uh, is clearly 
optimizing his performance with the PEDs, with the performance enhancing drugs. I think it's a perfect transition to talk to other people who who definitely should be using performance enhancing drugs, and those are athletes. And I just want to say that um, Jamil lost us a million dollars. I I listen. <laughs> he did lose us a million dollars. He did lose us a million dollars. We could have won a million dollars. Yeah. And I think we hit everything except. Clyde Hilaire. Edwards Hilaire. He bet on Clyde Edwards Hilaire? To get a touchdown. I thought what it was. What is he doing? It was, and I asked him, I was like, listen, there's a lot of money on the line here. Why don't you call up a professional buddy of yours who like knows how to gamble and just pick the best ones yeah. and we could make some fucking money. I didn't even see this guy enter the game. No, he doesn't play. Isaiah Pacheco plays there. There's like a seventh round running back. This guy Edwards Hilaire was a first round pick. God bless. He does make plays sometimes. But he got benched for a seventh-round pick or whatever he was, Isaiah Pacheco. He might have even been drafted. I don't know. I mean, but yeah, that was just – that was uh, – Because as the game – I mean, when it went to overtime, I was like, oh, we absolutely got this. Yeah. Like, and I think that we hit every other marker. You guys can tell me if we did or not. But uh, anyway, shots of prize picks. You got to wait clean on this one. But the next one, I'm on that S. Okay. Oh, but you can still do NBA. I'm putting prize picks in today. All right, what do you I got? I got Jacob Podol. They're playing the Nets, who just fired their head coach. Okay. So I think he'll get less than 12 and a half points, and I think okay. Mikael Bridges will get more than 23 and a half points. Okay. Those Fine. are my prize picks for today. Yeah. But you can play all year, is the point. Yeah, go to prizepicks.com, man, and uh, use the promo code Schultz, S-C-H-U-L-Z, and they're going to match your initial deposit bonus up to $100, okay? It's the easiest fucking thing on the planet. I genuinely mean this. They're so going to give you these... These uh, you know, situations where you basically choose more or less. With basketball, more or less rebounds. They're going to put it out there. You choose more or less. And you know fantasy, you got to like set your lineups too every much, week. Too it, much it's an effort. It's too play much this wherever effort. you want to. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Anyway, prizepicks.com. Shout out to y'all. Um, let's get back to the show. Okay, so what, what's this future going to look like? Next maybe 10, 20 years? I feel like you have an idea where we're going to go. Yeah, great what are, question. What are the innovations that we're going to see? It's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> So there's a. Thank you, dude. That means a, that means a lot going through. Yeah, that really fucking does. Yeah, like I'm a go, taste go, maker. Go. Some timbrick yeah. on that question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Okay. Okay. What what is it? Next ten twenty. What are we gonna see? So I think there's um, instead of predicting the actual thing, I'm gonna tell you how to think about it. Okay. Um, okay. Actually, uh, do you want to play a game? I mean, this will take a few minutes to play this game. Yeah. I would sure. Too. Okay. We're gonna speed. Does through. Alex get naked? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Okay, so we're going to speed through this. This is basically a very abbreviated va- version of I've been hosting these dinners at my house about the future of being human. Okay. And I bring together 10 or 12 people, and it's a two and a half hour long conversation. People will dip into existential crisis multiple times and come back up. At the end, we typically find ourselves hugging and, you know, wanting to hang out again. So we're going to do a very compressed version. Yeah. yeah, take your time. There's okay. no rush on this. Go. All right. So first question, if you had access to an algorithm that could give you the best physical, mental, and spiritual health of your life, but in exchange for achieving that, you had to do what the algorithm said. So go to bed on time, go to bed when it said, eat what it said, so on and so forth. Let's just keep it to health and wellness stuff. Like your, your mind is still doing its own thing. Okay. Do you say yes to the algorithm or do you say no? And again, give me it one more time. So the algorithm is... You, so you, access- you have access to an algorithm mm-hmm. that gives you the best physical, spiritual, emotional health of your entire life. Okay. You've never been better as a human. But in exchange for that, you're doing what the algorithm says. Do you okay. say yes to that or do you say no to that? Well, I say no probably. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. I want to say I'd say yes. I probably wouldn't even stick to it yeah. if I did. I say no so fast it's not even fair. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm, I'm happy in doing the things that I'm doing. Like I'm not necessarily seeking more happiness. If I was coming from like a really deep and dark place, maybe I would look for the salvation there, but I'm like really happy and really fulfilled and I really love what's going on. And I love the freedom that I have. Mm. And freedom is the most important thing for me. Under, under the hypothetical, can you reject what the algorithm is suggesting? No. But you can't get that. Uh, for me, freedom is, is red over pill, everything. Blue pill. Like yeah, the only reason I want money is to have the freedom to do exactly what I want to do mm. whenever I want to do it. Yeah, so, unfortunately, I'd probably say no. Yeah, I need freedom. If need you it. must accept it, then I, I would yeah, say Yeah, no. if you must accept it, it's hard then I can't. I'm not if free. you can reject it, then I would I'd be curious to know what the algorithm thinks. I need the freedom, Brian. It's got to be a no. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. four no's. Yeah. Yes. Damn. But I feel like this is the setup. This is the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Step one, baby. Four no's. Don't worry about it. Four no's. Step one. Here we go. I want to see your Do you want to see your parents again? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Go on. All right. Now, the next turn. Yeah. Uh, I want my mom to do it. Yeah. Exactly. You want everyone else in your yeah, life yeah. to be healthy, happy. Yeah. But you want to do Molly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Next turn of the conversation. Let's now be an anthropologist. Okay. We're going to imagine ourselves transported in time to the 25th century. Mm-hmm. We're observing this conversation right now, and we are trying to assess what do Homo sapiens value in the year 2024? What are their intellectual dispositions? What are the ethical and cultural norms? How do they understand themselves? What are the characteristics of their intelligence? What do they observe about your comments you guys just said? Autonomy, value of autonomy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would say so. Yeah, freedom and individuality. Yeah. yeah. And maybe a lack of foresight. Mm-hmm. I think that if we're at this time where they're living forever and we're essentially choosing not to live forever. And not be as happy. And not maybe mm-hmm. be as happy, but maybe we don't know what that happiness is yeah. and maybe we're happy right now, so it's not anything that we're essentially sacrificing. And maybe the restriction of these rules could reduce our happiness. So we're looking at it as like a deduction. Yeah. But- if they're li- are they living forever in this hypothetical in the uh, 25th century? Yeah, the, the, thought, the thought experiment that we're, we're playing with is just the best, like the best existence you've ever had. No, I'm saying oh, 25th the people century looking people that are us. looking back at yeah. us. Are they living forever by then? Aging is solved, yes. Aging is solved. Okay. So they're looking back at us and they're going, wow, these idiots yeah. are throwing away living for hundreds of years or thousands of years and experiencing love for thousands of years, experiencing kindness and camaraderie and building these great societies so that they can eat Snickers and they could, you know, go stay up until four in the morning. You know what they would look at us like? The way we look at drug addicts. Mm. Like you're choosing this mm. perceived pleasure over what's actually good for you. Yeah. That's foolish. They never did drugs, though, so they don't know what they're messing with. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what it's like. They don't know. Everyone they don't like, know what that is. They, they never like, danced in Brooklyn for six it. hours, Brian. <laughs> okay, Miles, you want to say something? Yeah, would they be mad because we're not doing the things that allow them to reach this, like, aging solve faster? Uh, I'm sorry. I mean, how do you feel about people of previous centuries who did various things that stunted human progress? Probably angry, honestly. Ooh, oh, oh, we're selfish. Yeah, that's my point on that. Ah, that's are we mad that they're selfish? But also, we're talking about a future existence where people are like as perfect as they can be. So I think anger is probably a negative feeling. That that's also yeah, true. I think they probably they could have got there fast. But I don't maybe know. Maybe they're laughing at us. But yeah, yeah, like maybe if someone in the past, I don't know, maybe these I'm selfish fucks, they want to yeah, live mad for at like 17th century people for not allowing science to progress. Like that's adorable. I think. Yeah, they'll feel sorry for it. It's like, damn, if they only knew. Yeah, are you mad yeah. about people like pre germ theory? Like, I'm not mad. I'm not mad at them at all. Yeah. It means nothing. Okay. 
to me. Yeah. Okay. Even so like those people that like locked up Galileo. I kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> you need some, need some rules. You need some rules. This guy's throwing everything yeah. around. You know what I mean? Like, Creep. I just painted yeah. this All entire you do mural. Is the rules. Say, well, that's your whole thing. It's plotting the rules. Yeah, I like to be Galileo too. But just, not everybody can be Galileo. You need rules in order to flout them. You know? Oh my so God. we want the rules, but yeah. we want to break the rules. Yeah, yeah. If there's no rules, it's no fun. Yeah. We want to be a little dangerous. Okay, let's keep going. Okay, this so first, first um, provocation. You saw how um, how ruthlessly you rejected the notion. Yep. Right? It, the knee-jerk reaction was just violent. It was just like, get the fuck out. You flip the frame and we pull in the, the wisdom that we know exists. We look back at previous centuries and we see them as some form of primitive existence. We see ourselves as more enlightened. So you flip the frame and you see that we become introspective. We think, well, it's interesting hmm. how we behave this way. And so now we're, like, we're a little open-minded, right? Like we're not as entirely closed as that first prompt. First prompt is meant to just like, it dunks. Yeah. Okay, now let's just say, in our current situation, what could possibly change or what could possibly be happening that would change the circumstances of what we think to be the case? And so if you say, all right, let's, homo sapiens have been the dominant form of intelligence for 200,000 years. As a species, we've just dominated the planet and we've done remarkable things from the atomic level to everything else. We've been the custodians of information. So what we, we learn in school, we understand things, we have shared knowledge, but we, we are the shared custodians of all knowledge. This is primarily known as a first principles thinking perspective. It's known as engineering. So when you want to build something, you want to acquire all knowledge and you want to make the fewest number of assumptions possible and then walk your way through it. There's a new concept called zeroth principle thinking, and that is zero zeroth zero zeroth. Okay, yeah. principle. So, is that why you're zero on yes Twitter? Yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, I came up with this concept zeroth principle thinking. Okay, and it's uh, Einstein's theory of special relativity is a zeroth principle discovery because you can't go from Newtonian physics to his special theory of relativity from first principles. He pulled it out of another dimension. <laughs> so a germ theory is a zeroth principle discovery. Because if you say, my eyes are the custodian of all knowledge, and then you realize <laughs> this thing is this microscopic object, you pull it out of another dimension. So yeah. pretty much any paradigm shift is going to be a exactly. zeroth principle. Yep. Mm -hmm. The vanishing point in Renaissance art. Like you pull a what dimension. What is the vanishing point? It's, uh, it's you put the point and you draw the line so you have dimension in art. Ah, like a, a road or something like that. Exactly. Train track going in that way. The yep. vanishing point is a paradigm shift. It is a zero thinking. Exactly. Got it. So it's presenting something that has not existed before in any way, shape, exactly. or form. There's nothing that precedes it. It's not uh, multiplication is built on addition. This is a and brand new concept. And the first principle theory thinking altogether, like kind of renders it null. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like Euclid's elements to Cartesian geometry. Like sometimes there's these huge jumps in mathematics. We need another thing. Yeah. So oh, I got thing. you right away. We need another thing. <laughs> I started gossiping so, over. So, yeah, I got you. I got yeah. you. The germs? I got you. I got you. He said Euclid's, and I was like, I'm out. <laughs> No, I got what he said. So we all thought, I see everything. Everything that we know to be fact, science is based on what we can see. Yeah. Then somebody came around. There's like, no, there's a bunch of microbes you can't see at all. Right, germ theory that will got kill it. you. Yeah, yeah. So that took that. The way we looked at the world.
world and it's like that's actually completely incorrect yeah. here's the truth yeah, yeah. that's zeroth principle yeah. that first principle thinking that i get yeah, that what's the you what yeah. was that thing what's the euclid okay. thing you were that's talking something about, about i'll give you another example <laughs> so you know, shit. i'll give you another yeah, example i just need the example <laughs> explain the thing we knew no, already. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's his example he used but yeah, yeah, yeah. the theory okay euclid so zero euclid well i'll give you another example thank god start with that yeah there was never a a need for zero to exist. Zero had to be discovered. People knew that you you had one fish, you were cool. One piece of bread, you're cool. Yeah. You have one thing, but what's the utility of zero? I don't. I, so it, I don't subscribe to this at all. Okay. Because I, the Indians invented zero. Like we know what zero is. How many children do you have? You're like, I have no idea how to fathom zero. what number yeah. of children. How much pussy do we yeah. get? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there's got to be a number for we get pussy. That's one thing. That's yeah, you do. That was yeah, a bad yeah, example. Yeah, yeah. Also, even if you don't yeah. want to give pussy. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, the idea of zero is there. We know it's there. Yeah, zero. So there's this book, A Biography of a Dangerous Idea, which is a, yeah. um, the discovery of zero. It took humanity hundreds of years Come, to discover fine, zero. You don't believe that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, it broke zero, broke mathematics, zero, broke religion, zero, broke How many, philosophy, how many antelope did you hunt today, babe? Oh, we got no antelope, zero. We yeah. brought back zero. We're going to starve. Yeah. Are you talking about the mathematical food. application or the conceptual, like, social? All the zero. above. There's no way that people didn't know that there was nothing there. Yeah, this is you. I would need for you to prove this because I want Indians to get credit for that. But please disprove. What were they doing that. before? He's that. dumb. I just need you to tell him because <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but what were they doing I before? Might that? Be dumber. Yeah. So I mean, in you're talking about um, in yeah, sure. Like you can say I got I didn't get anything when I hunted today, which is basically zero. Yeah. yeah. Um, but without zero, you like even like on a calendar, you know, like year one, we didn't start at year zero. Uh, like you, zero was not a number in operation across mathematics, across philosophy, across uh, zero still is an issue in, in quantum uh, mechanics and, and mathematics that still breaks all of our things. So zero, um, like, so let me give you another example. Like why? Like, why did, I don't... Zero, um, let me try to bridge this. I feel like this is the easiest thing that people understood. Yeah. Because I think most nothing of life, might have been a concept, but zero as a number and an idea. Yeah, the mathematical application. Yeah, like mathematical negative, negative application, numbers, sure, but conceptually, yeah. people knew what nothing is oh, because okay, most yep. of their life was nothing. But I think right? they never thought Infinity to apply it in the same way. My like, stomach has zero in it. I need to go get some food. We understood emptiness. We understood yeah. nothing. So, yeah, I'll, I concede your point. Like, the people understand. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got it. You cleaned that. You got me. You got me. You got me. Okay, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But no, okay. Yeah. So back to zero principle thinking. Yeah. Is like the, there are these, these discoveries in existence that change paradigms. So Earth is not the center of the universe. Um, that we are actually orbiting the sun in this larger galaxy and we're extending out. And so ideas that come and they break our reality. Yep. And so humans have been able to discover zeros. One every once in a while. So not very frequently, but it ta we do it, we discover germs or we discover special theory of relativity or, yeah. yeah. And then society is like, that's stupid as fuck. And then we like roll around to it, we're like, actually, that's obvious. But it takes us a while to digest zeros. Whereas ones are easy. If you just say, you know, we take this given thing, it's working, and we're going to make it better. So much easier to understand. Mm -hmm. Electric cars. But aren't all the zeros predicated on prior like technology and science like what would what then would it wouldn't be a zero bro but what would foundationally make it a zero if 
like for example, like uh, I don't know any one like any one of these inventions, or even like the germ theory. Like there is some type of scientific method that's in place that then is able to deduce that germs are actually the cause of these illnesses and things like that. Like what would make it zero with if there are things that preceded like technology? Yeah, how did we figure out germs? Who figured out germs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who zeroed uh, that up? Yeah. Um, I mean, Lister was one. There's a few others at the time who were playing with it. Huh. Yeah. Well, who? Lister? Yeah. And then Is that where, where was, Listerine comes from? Yeah. Huh. Get out of here. Did not know. And, and then and how did he zero that? Yeah. I don't know his exact methodology. You know, like sometimes like, you know, penicillin, the antibiotic. Yeah. Um, you know, that was, that was a discovery of accident. So it grew in a petri dish you know, over the weekend. Do you know how that was discovered? That somebody was dancing in Brooklyn for like yeah. six hours. Yeah. Woke up the next morning, piss was on fire. Yeah, back to that. Did yeah. you? Yes, yeah. exactly. Got Relatable. Yeah. I'm sorry, I have to use a bathroom. Go, yeah. go, go. We need public floor. Okay, okay, okay. So penicillin is a zero, but yeah. like, like what Mark just said, it's based on some sort of scientific research, right? So. A cure to a disease, is that a, a zero? Like, um, what is it? What was it? Smallpox, they found that there was another type of pox yeah. they could get the pus from. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 is that a zero? The idea of is, taking disease. Or is that a one? Yeah, so there's a gradient, right? Like uh, uh, things that we'd say are more categorically zero, then there's things that are ones, and there's a sliding got scale. Where okay, it's like, okay, so there's a little bit like of a, a spectrum here. Yeah. Got it, got it. We're looking for this finite zero, never exists before. Maybe Einstein's was a theory of relativity. Is that zero? Yes. Got it. Yeah. Nothing else comes into play before at all like this. And for that reason, we're like, this is the most mind-blowing thing we've ever seen. Exactly. Even though when it's applied right now, you're like, well, yeah, obviously. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, obviously the ball's moving, moving as fast as me if we're both yeah. on a train. Like the wheel would be a zero. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Because it's like, in terms of just transportation, it has changed drastically just because we, someone thought of, hey, let me just make a wheel. And at the time, it was probably just absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. uh, yeah. Whereas we're much better at creating mechanical structures and mm -hmm. these objects, whereas then it's probably just absurd. So the idea is, like, to this point is, zeros change reality. Zero, and we humans have been the authors of zero up until this point. Like we discovered these things. And now AI is the author of zero. Exactly. Uh. Now, so we humans are primarily a first principles thinking species. We do things slow, like incrementally. Zeros come along and crush our reality. And you want AI to be curating zeros that benefit us, not it. And not only, yeah, so basically AI is a zero manufacturer yeah, and they can churn them out yes oh so my you take God. you take the things that ai has been doing like solving <sighs> protein folding mm -hmm. and 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 then it basically solves even when you say when it played the world champion of go mm -hmm. right it introduced moves in go that stunned human humans have been playing this game for thousands of years human genius has played this game for thousands of years and they couldn't even conceptualize you give, it. you give alpha go a hundred hours to play itself and it crushes the first principles way humans play Go wow. and changes the game in that instant. So, so you're confident that we'll develop an AGI, like an artificial general intelligence? Uh, I'm confident. So I would be hesitant to short sure. the improvement of artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. Of all the things I would short in existence, that's one I would probably not short off. I've heard that hypothetical kind of just, to the... Just real quick to bring Akash up to speed. 
AI is a zero manufacturing machine uh, in that okay. it just constantly can conjure up new zeros. Yeah. So like to this Brilliant. zero point and kind of like this idea I think that we're touching on of like this general intelligence, I've heard it put this way that like level one, and I, the numbers might kind of throw this off, but like number one would be, could you create a computer or an, an AI that could beat the best person in chess? And we've blasted that for, I don't know, 30 years or something. Right. Then level two would be, could the AI create a move that's never been done in chess? And all the times and all the ways yeah. that we play this game, can it invent a new way to play? And then the third iteration is, could this AI invent chess? Like this idea of chess, and I'm assuming that this creation of chess would be the zero that we're talking about. That it creates, and again, I'm using chess as just an example, but create the form of the thing rather than playing within the rules of the thing in and of itself. Yeah, well said. Yeah, you're, you're getting your head around the structure of invention, gameplay, rules. Like, yes, like that's exactly the play mm -hmm. space we're in. And that's the zero point. And it's important, <laughs> yeah. I guess, that we create alignment with the super intelligence. Yeah, the zeros to Andrew's yeah. idea. Are, mm. Yeah, so now if you, it's creating chess for us. That's yeah. great. It's like I have a game you'll like even better than this. You like playing tennis. I have a better tennis. Right. It's and called it paddle. Can, it's called paddle. Right. But like, <laughs> it it basically can download our every reactive fiber tissue in our brain and see what the most. Uh, uh, what is that called when you have the uh, positive feelings? It's uh, serotonin. Yeah, the serotonin-inducing moments of a game, and then curate a totally different game that just focuses on those. Oh wow! Yeah, customized for you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so now, if you map where we've been, so first of all, I posed a question to you guys, and you say, "Get the fuck out of my space." Yeah. Okay. Then we we frame it from a new angle, and we say, "Huh, you're right." Like we actually don't have everything figured out and we're probably gonna change just like every other generation has changed before us. And then we say, okay, what's different about now? And we're saying, okay, AI is here and it's going to manufacture these zeros at speeds which are faster than we've ever had in our entire existence. Mm. And therefore, what do we know about reality anymore at all? So can we take any of the games we play now in terms like wealth accumulation, status seeking, power, all the humans, all the games that we humans have agreed upon playing, we're all playing the games. Mm -hmm. Do any of those games survive a continued introduction of zeros? Because when, when zeros are introduced, they have the power of scrambling human affairs. And now if you say the dominant form of intelligence is no longer Homo sapiens, the dominant form of intelligence is artificial intelligence. It's the custodian of knowledge. Yeah. It's the custodian. And it's introducing zeros at the same time. So we basically are no longer the custodians Oof. and we're playing in a zeroth principle reality. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of a nightmare for most of our emotions because we love yeah. certainty, we want to know, and we hate uncertainty. And we're getting, we're getting hit on both fronts. Do you believe that all zeros possess objective good? That for every zero that's introduced, it should be embraced and accepted? That's a great question. I mean, so this is where I come back to um, don't die. <laughs> is that if in this situation, so that question presumes that I as a homo sapien have some kind of authority over an opinion about some kind of social or, nor or ethical norm. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's true, maybe it's not. But the observation here is that we're walking into a future that is so different from what we have now, maybe none of our priors are going to carry over. 
we think we're going to play the same games. We mm -hmm. think we're the architects of this reality, but that may not be the case. And so, so if we say, if, if that yeah. is the moment, what do we do as a species? You're saying, hang on. That's it. Don't die. The only game we can play is hold on and don't die because we have no idea. So the games of acquiring wealth, power, uh, success are no longer valuable because these new zeros that will be thrown into the system could completely throw out of whack our ambitions. Yes. Whew, you Wait, could spend your life trying to be the greatest, uh, yeah. I don't know, like race car driver. And then next year, race car driving is obsolete because there's this new system that we all watch and we all care about. And nobody gives a fuck about driving an F1 car. But wouldn't that only be the case if humanity ag all agrees to adopt using AI in this manner? Because right now, the way people are using AI is just to keep playing the games that we currently agree to play mm -hmm. better. Yeah. So how, as humans, oh. are we going to decide to use AI? Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's the most important question to me is, so we build these really powerful forms of intelligence, and then what do we do? Do we become better at war? Do we become better at killing each other? Do we become better at getting social media followers? Do we become better at making money in the stock market? Like, where do you apply it? And if you say in any reasonable time frame, AI is, again, going to become a million to a billion plus times smarter than us. This idea that we retain control of the system. Like, we, we don't know what's going to happen, but it, it, to me it seems like walking into this future with as much unknown as we have. I mean, you think about this, like every generation before us... You You're can, back at religion, dude. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you, you look back. So go back to the centuries. Any human could be born and say... You're submitting yourself to the ultimate power. And it's, it's a will man of made God. Power. Or it, it could be. It's a man. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, we created God again. This is the irony. This is where we're at. And so, whether it's God or something else, we just agreed to not die. But if you. So, like, when I was going through this decade long process of trying to figure out what to do, I was thinking, okay, so um, I just left my religion, which was like this idea. I, it was a really cool game to play. You play by the rules, you get this prize. I didn't believe it anymore. It's like, what do you do? And so I thought, okay, well, I don't want to die. Like that's the only thing I know is I want to, I really appreciate existence and I want to keep on living. And so there's three things that- Even could, though you were wildly depressed and you were suicidal. Post. This post, is after, after, yeah. after the after dance the parties. Warehouse, and you, yeah. Now, yeah. You, now <laughs> you found joy, you found love. There's something you, worth living and, for. And, yeah. and you're like, I want to ride this as long as I possibly can. Yeah. Okay, got it. And like the, the critical thing for my mind was telling me that I wanted to die, but I'm so happy I didn't listen to my mind. And this got me to the issue of my experiment with Blueprint is I said, okay, so if we're walking into a zeroth principle future and I was starting to think about the biographies I read. So if you think back to early American colonies, there are 13 colonies. They were in a situation where they were debating whether democracy was a good idea or whether they should stay with the monarch. Mm -hmm. And they said, the monarch is strong and sturdy. We've had it for quite some time. Let's just do that. Half the population was like, no, 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 we should really do the democracy thing. And people were like, that's insane. I'm not going to trust so-and-so to vote. That's principle. stupid. So Thomas Paine wrote this, this pamphlet, Common Sense, and he said, hey, guys, like, we really should do democracy. The monarch does not understand our problems. They don't understand local on the ground, on the ground stuff and democracy went out, it was a new system of processing information with a bunch of humans. And so I said, can I create a new system with my body? 
So my mind is the monarch. My body, my body's organs is the, the democracy. So I started measuring every organ in my body to say, hey, heart, lungs, pancreas, liver, how are you? What you do you speak, need? What do you need? Yeah. So I switched my power systems from my mind to my body. Mm. And I said, you run the show because my mind is going to want to eat the ice cream and it's going to want to drink and it's going to want to stay up late. And it's going to want to- Your mind is indulgent. It's a, it's, a, it's a tyrant that will do anything to remain in power. Yeah. How much are you still battling with your mind right now? I've got it. I, I've, for the first time in my life, I've got it. Do you now, think you could it, have snacks in your house? <laughs> there's no, there's nothing in my house. But could you? Do you have the discipline? Uh, I don't trust my mind. So, okay, so you, you okay, you don't got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fair point. Fair okay. point. Okay. Uh, but I guess like it's at least I know. But you know that enough about your mind. That, yeah. So you'll set up those. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So this is the thing. So you piece all these things together and say, okay, we're building intelligence. The species we're trying to decide what to do. I'm expressing opinions about reality. I can't yet control myself. Like what do we do as a species? I try to basically become the existential problems facing humanity. And so I said, okay, I, Brian Johnson, am a collection of 35 trillion cells. That's me. How do I align my 35 trillion cells with one objective? Don't die. Mm -hmm. That means I have to stop eating ice cream and junk food and I have to stop going to bed at late. Now, when you say mind, can you parse that between your reason and like sort of rational thought and your emotions? Which I, those things I think comprise the mind. And now we're kind of getting into like a consciousness discussion, yeah. but like those two things comprising the mind, quote unquote, I oftentimes wonder if like your reason might say, oh, I shouldn't eat the ice cream, but it's your emotional state that might say, oh, I do want the ice cream. Yeah. So when you say you're trying to override your mind, do you mean the emotion or the, or the reason? Yeah, it's, it, you bring up a great point. There's definitely nuance. I, I oversimplify for the purpose of conversation. Mm -hmm. it, the, what I focus on is when food is in front of me, whatever food it is, is generated by an algorithm based upon my organs. Mm. not based upon how yeah. I feel or what I want or what I think sounds good. Mm -hmm. It's an algorithm pulling data from my body, looking at scientific evidence and feeding it in. And so this is the same way where it was unthinkable that a monarch wouldn't run a nation state mm. and that a bunch of the body's organs would run it in a democracy. I did the same thing for me and I proved to myself that an algorithm, I built an algorithm that, that takes better care of me than I can myself. Mm. Yeah, yeah, because your mind is going to wake up and be a little bit sad and go, you know what? I want pancakes for breakfast. And you know what? Today's the day. Like today's Saturday. It's gorgeous out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I should get some emotion. ice cream. So do you ever satisfy the emotion? Does the emotion ever want anything? And do you ever try to satisfy it in some way or like exercise? Or do you have less of those emotions? I have less. Because yeah. you're actually feeding yeah. your body what it needs. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you desire those things less. You're less sad. You're less depressed. Yes. Cravings for sugar probably go down. Yeah, this, exactly. Yeah. When's the last time you went against the algorithm, aka a cheat day? Yeah. Uh, it was years ago. My son and I went and did, did it together. We were curious about it. What'd you do? Uh, we got, I had fries. I had some fries. I had some um, chili cheese fries, I think, like something That's like fun. that. And? I felt so sick, I wanted to vomit. The second you ate them or a little bit after? A little after. But during eating them? It, they felt disgusting to me. No way. Yeah, they did. And so you can trick your body into rejecting these things that it actually doesn't want. And he gave me a chip and it, and it tasted like gasoline. Like it just, it felt just, I, uh, abhorrent. Not even saying this teasingly, the food you eat now to us doesn't seem like it tastes good. To you, does it taste good? This is the thing is, I know people 
they view what I do and they assume I'm miserable. They assume I'm in a cage of my own making. They assume the food is not good. I've never in my entire life been happier. I've never been more stable. I've never enjoyed food more. I have never in my entire life felt better. So you have kind of trained, was it like that always? As soon as you started eating this kind of food, chocolate covered mushrooms and whatever, was it like, oh, this tastes good? Or did you have to train your body, your mind, et cetera? A little bit of both. Okay. Yeah. It's, we could say it's the opposite. We trained our body yeah. to liking Absolutely. that type of food. I have, yeah, yeah, I take no... We've evolved for years to not eat processed yeah. foods. Yeah. And now we've accustomed ourselves to it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see this as a return to what we should... Yeah. Or what we've too. always eaten. Because it's like when you've been on a diet for a long period of time, the food that is your diet food starts to taste a lot better. It's easier to eat. Like, you'll... You'll crave that salad, but before yeah. the first, you know, couple of times, it's just like, ugh. That makes complete yeah. sense. All right, guys, let's face it. We all want a way to eat healthy, protein-packed meals, but spending hours in the kitchen to cook healthy food sucks. Cleanup sucks even more. The whole thing sucks. That's why you got to check out Flex Pro Meals. They cook high-protein, flavorful food that delivers right to your door, ready to eat the next day. They also have keto, gluten-free, and dairy-free options to fit whatever diet you're on. And if you're really hungry, their large meals come with 50% more protein. Guys, it sounds fantastic. And if you want it to sound even better, Flex Pro is now offering the Flex Pass for the flagrant audience. That means you get $600 worth of savings for $60. You get 90% savings. Do you understand how important that is for an Indian? Every month, you get a $50 credit for meals added on the first times 12. That's $600 over the course of a year. And you get to choose from 35 diverse meals, including large options, like I said, with 50% more protein. You spend $60 up front, and then you get a yearly savings of $600. Guys, what the fuck are we talking about? This is way cheaper than Uber Eats. With this kind of offer discount, it's even more affordable than doing groceries and cooking yourself. Also, for flagrant fans, next day delivery on them. Order by 3 p.m. Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern Monday through Thursday, and get Flex Pro Meals the next day for free. Fast, convenient, no extra charge. Do not let this, this deal slip away, guys. Head to flexpromeals.com slash flagrant. Purchase a Flex Pass up front for $60 and get $50 savings every single month for the year. That is 90% off of $600 worth of meals. Innovate how you eat with Flex Pro Meals. Now let's get back to the show. We got to take a break because some of you are balding and it's your fault and we need to have a discussion. Look, like we have said on this podcast many times, balding is no longer genetic. It is now a choice thanks to Keeps. Keeps is a convenient subscription service that allows you to get expert care for hair loss from the comfort of your own home, delivered discreetly without ever going to a doctor's office or a pharmacy. You don't got to deal with all that. All the treatment plans are personalized to address your unique needs and recommended by a licensed medical provider. Also, like I said, delivered right to your door. You don't have to leave. You don't have to be embarrassed. Guys, most importantly... These treatment plans are affordable, typically half the cost of traditional pharmacy prices. They offer both of the FDA-approved hair loss treatment options as well as two-in-one gel that combines both treatments. That sounds pretty fucking fantastic. Treatments offered by Keeps are 90% effective at treating hair loss and can increase hair growth by up to 35%. Guys. If you are bald, it is your fault. Nobody will feel bad for you ever again because Keeps is available. And on top of that... They got things for other hair conditions. Your boy got a decent head of hair, but I do have dandy rough. And I hate to say it, it's a little disgusting, but I get the key to Cotton's All Shampoo from Keeps. I probably need some more Keeps. Holler at me. So join the nearly 1 million men who have kept their hair with Keeps. Hair loss stops with Keeps. For a special offer to get started, go to keeps.com slash flagrant. That is K-E-E-P-S dot com slash flagrant. If you can't spell flagrant, look down. It's right there. Let's get back to the show. Okay, we're not done with this game yet. 
Yeah, we're the, la- we're the we're, last turn. Okay, I, I want to make sure we stay in this game. Then I have a couple of questions. Okay, so the, the last turn of the conversation, so we've been at the mind revolts, we become introspective, we assess what's happening in the world that might change our reality. Mm-hmm. That then points to the initial question. If you had an algorithm that could give you the best physical, emotional, and spiritual health of your life, would you say yes to it? Now, in some ways, this is a question that measures your level of insanity. <laughs> Why would you not want the best physical, mental, and spiritual health? Like, so, Andrew, do you th- is your presumption you would do a better job with your freedom? Is that, that was that the premise of your argument that you care about freedom more than anything in existence? And do you think you can actually beat it? This is the question that, that shines the light on the early 21st century of how strongly we prioritize the perceived authority of our minds. So you think it's just my mind telling me that I want to use and exercise this freedom and my body in reality doesn't want that. It wants me to tap into this algorithm. But your brain is an evil dictator that's trying to... You know, dispossess your body from an enlightenment. You'll be back. <laughs> yeah, Time will tell. I, yes. I guess I'm curious about the, I, I, I don't know. I think there's some ob- objections to the first and second question. The first is like, best is a subjective term. So obviously within the hypothetical, we have to accept that best is ultimately the objective best. But it's hard for us to subscribe to it. But like, what does it mean to like quantify the best spiritual position and... Better than what you have now. Yeah. Yeah, that you yeah, you would basically say like mm-hmm. rooted in his life. It we would be also the have to. I guess I guess why this is tricky is that we have to trust that what you say is the best would be the best for us. I think the tricky thing is that I think that I'm happier than you. When right, I might not be. Mm-hmm. Right, you could be ten times happier than me. Right, but and that I'm, could be my dictator brain telling me I am. Sorry, what were you saying? So no, um, to add to your point, for thousands of years, as far as I know, we have valued autonomy over everything, whether it's perceived or not. Mm-hmm. So dem- democracy, the reason we accepted that, even though it's, it's a zeroth principle, yeah. it is further autonomy. The monarch is not a part of me. So we need a baseline for that happiness that is not just you. We need a brain interface that can measure it and tell us. Yeah. And, and, I, and if I trusted you as that and I was sitting here and I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm like 10 points below Brian yeah. and I'd really like to experience what that is like for Brian or if you could point to a day in my life and be like, see how happy you are now? You would be this happy. You would be your wedding day happy every single day mm. if you did this, if you could actually give me an emotional state that I was gonna live within, I think it'd be very easy to get me yeah. subscribed to the algorithm. Wedding day happy? Yeah. Birth of baby yeah. happy every day? Burning man Molly happy? Burning man Molly <laughs> happy? Like, like, like it's, that and that is conceivable to me because that is chemicals in your brain just kind of yeah. doing And now things. it's a that real like feeling a- and sensation that I can tap into. Um, I, I do think that there's a variable here that makes it difficult for me to immediately subscribe to the algorithm, and that is FOMO. Uh, I think that I would probably feel envious of my friends and family that got to do these things that I knew induced happiness and joy and like the camaraderie, you know, uh, everything that that I try to do in my life is so collective, right? I like being around people, I like talking. And uh, if if I had to be in bed every single night at this time, if all of us did it together, 
I think I could get on board. But if yeah. just I did it and I saw all my friends doing these other things, I would I think I would really yeah, miss out now. Yeah. When they all died later and I was hanging out with my great 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 grandkids, I wouldn't have FOMO. You, yeah, you know, so, so, I feel you, yeah. So, yeah, it's a really complex question. What if the algorithm looks at your life and says, oh, having a child will induce this much stress for the next 10 years? And so in your interest, you shouldn't have a kid. It's like an inconceivable idea that you wouldn't want to go through this human experience despite the algorithm telling you, based off data, that your cortisol is going to go up X amount over the next Very 10 Very well years. said. What Very do you think well about said. that, Brian? So this, this is the central question of our existence. So like you, if you once you size up how intelligence is progressing, and once you realize that you know when algorithms do something, when technology does something better than we humans, we will squawk and complain, and then we adopt it ferociously. Mm. So the first time, <laughs> the first time the, the a telegraph sent a message, the Pony Express was dead. The first time you could navigate in your car with GPS, the maps are dead. Maps are dead. <laughs> yeah. So we. We have so much to say about everything, but how much of it is truly durable over time? And so this is the thing is these algorithms, what I'm trying to show with Blueprint, just like Magellan said, you can now sell around the world or Shackleton did his adventure or Amelia Earhart said you can you know, go across the Atlantic. I'm trying to show an algorithm does a better job at taking care of me, of being me, than I can myself. Now, on top of that idea, there's thousands and thousands of questions. Just like democracy. Democracy, mm. we said, hey, like, structurally, it's a better system to have ourselves in this manner versus a monarch. Now, we've been working on the question of democracy for 200 years. We still haven't solved it. The same thing is true with this. Like, If you have an algorithm that can legit keep you alive and be better, thousands of questions spring up and we're going to fight over every one of those things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the observation is, can we be sober enough in this moment to realize what's happening? And so if you take the same problem, so I've been talking about don't die individually, but if you take me and replace me with planet Earth, the same concept applies. So measure Earth with a million measurements, make Earth as quantified as we can, and you say what creates a biosphere appropriate for Earth, you know, humans who inhabit this Earth. Don't Prop tell me Greta Thunberg was right, dude. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna so, break my. Heart. <laughs> so you do the same protocol. You do. You measure. You look at scientific evidence. You create a protocol. That algorithm runs the biosphere of Earth to make sure it's home for us. Um, same concept. Yeah. How can we? How can we be sure that the scientific evidence isn't going to be skewed to benefit? certain people or organizations. With yeah. you, I feel like it's very authentic because you bear the consequences mm -hmm. of bad research. Yeah. But once you get big pharma involved, That's a great once point. you get government agencies involved. Yeah, military and, industrial complex. Yeah, I mean, like, like, how many, I don't want to make this whole vaccine thing, but like, you know, there's yeah. a stack of vaccines that just go in your kid immediately and, you know, people get paid off of that. And, that, yeah. and it, listen, I'm sure there's tons of benefit to this. But how can we trust the efficacy of those studies when we already know that these organizations have manipulated research to profit? Yeah. This is why I'm, I'm a broken record. Don't die is the only philosophy of the human race. So don't die for me was a process of measure everything, look at all the data, look at scientific evidence, and be open about everything. It's a, it's an, it's a closed loop improvement system. Don't die has to stack throughout society. Because what you're talking about is 
Different groups have different incentives. I'm talking about the food pyramid. I'm talking about all these other versions of, it's not don't die, but like they're early versions of it. If you look at it, hey, this is the best way to eat. And now the food pyramid is completely inverted. How? Sorry to add to your point. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly what he said. Talk about carbohydrates. He got upset. <laughs> this is exactly what he said. Food pyramid, if we're just trusting everybody, the government just like apparently threw that together. There's no scientific backing for it. Whatever. Yeah, the grain industry is probably, probably for it. But then yeah. for us as citizens, we're just trusting yeah. the government, the yeah. authority. So how do you kind of safeguard against this? Yeah. Um, you, the algorithm has to be open. It has to be transparent. It has to go across every stack of every layer of society stack. That we can't have these um, parts of society who have these secret motives that do certain things that cause people to die. That that's the way we used to do things. How do we, like you said, how do we safeguard against that? Like, what would you do, for example? Uh, I would apply the same open scientific process as everything. It's got to be open. Is you, it like blockchain where yes. every, everyone can see every transaction so it kind of checks and balances You have to up? see it. You, you have to, like democracy, you have to open it up. Now still, in democracy, people still play games of, you know, like concealment. Mm-hmm. But you've got to open this up and build this tapestry of intelligence of don't die. Mm-hmm. Don't die individually, don't kill the earth, don't kill each other. Is there anybody, Alani, and I can't believe I'm suggesting this, but is there anybody managing this? Is there any kind of process or people put, is there any board? Is there anybody that's going to make sure that, make sure of the efficacy of these studies and data? Yeah. Or does the AI itself make sure of it? We, we've got to build these systems. So I wrote a book about this and I present all these arguments. For example, like in the situation where, you know, you're the control condition. So the AI is trying to build pra- traffic maps and it's going to send you down a street to find out if this is a good route or not, right? Is that good for you or bad for you? Bad so, for you. On like, an individual basis, it's bad. For it's you. complicated. So I agree yeah. with you. Like these but questions you need the are data all, on a collective like, basis. It's good. There's so many questions we have to sort, but we have to agree on something in society. Because right now, what we agree upon is making money, acquiring status, acquiring power. We agree upon those things. We all play these games. We don't agree and don't die. And so I'm saying that's it's the basis of society. It's what we agree upon that we're playing the game. That's Once the thing. we agree upon don't die as the game, then we will all be incentivized to give proper data, true data, uh, because those people are also trying to not die. Why would they tarnish their data that's collectivizing all information? And if someone tries to make you die, they lose status. Right, ah, because status is built on your ability to contribute to us not dying. Exactly. So Whereas we now status is built on money. Exactly. So if I'm serving you We have up, to change the incentive structure. Yeah. The, we have to change everything. Yes. This is good. This yes. is good. So yeah. how, do you, how do you change the incentive structure? First, you need to convince people that this is even possible. Wow, this is a lot different yeah. conversation than I thought we were going to have. I thought you were trying to like break the 120-year no. mark. You really do not want to go. And you believe that that's possible. Uh, and I think you believe if we don't embrace this, humanity comes to an end. Yes. Okay. This is- Like quickly. Uh, yes. Okay, 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 okay. Where, where were we just at? I don't want to miss what we were just at. Uh, you were in a good spot. Yeah. I want to support you. We all got to think differently and change the incentive. Oh, yeah. Structure. How do you change the incentive structure? We have a very clear incentive structure in America. Make money at it. Yeah. If you make money at it, it's good. You were very successful at this. You want to also change that incentive structure. Money yeah. is not the end. Yeah. yeah. Don't die is the end. Yeah. How do you get every single person in this country to submit themselves yeah. to that idea? So I think there's an interesting moment that's coming. Uh, 
someone said that sometimes uh, weeks of progress are made in decades and sometimes decades of progress are made in weeks. Hmm. As AI progresses forward, it's going to create corresponding existential crisis for the human race. Can you give us an example, hypothetic, just throw one out there. Yeah, so uh, chat GPT comes out and we all have to rethink, do screenwriters have a place in this world? uh, Sora comes out and we say, do movie makers have a place in this world? And it seems uh, sarcastic even to suggest, but you 100% believe Mm -hmm. that with the exponential growth of AI, Literally just telling Soro, which is this new AI that, uh, what is Sora, it? Uh, yeah. Open yeah. AI came out with. Open AI, yeah. It's basically, you just give it some prompts and it can provide you with video, whatever you want. Exactly. Make me the, another Harry Potter movie and it will just do it instantaneously. You'll watch a two hour Harry Potter. Exactly. And it, it will be, <laughs> they will create, they will be better at Disney. They'll be better at Pixar. They'll be better than, th- um, they will be better at all things we humans do. Mm-hmm. And this is like, we're just getting started with AI. So, so that's, I think the thing about people who come from the tech sector is, is that um, you're already on board with what AI can be. So there's no skepticism whatsoever. And I think the average uh, citizen of the United States of America, any country in the world, has like a little skepticism. They're yeah. like, oh yeah, this chat GPT thing was cool. And then they just go back to using Google. It's done cool things but it hasn't really replaced anything that they actually use or indulge in just yet. Yeah. We're still waiting for that moment. Yeah. Once that moment happens, I think eyes light up. Exactly I think right. that's your, what, what did you call it? The, the, zero. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's your zero yeah. moment, your pendulum swing moment where the actual culture shifts. Tipping point. It exactly. is the tip, but we haven't hit a tipping point just yet. We've hit, oh, that's pretty cool that it can do that. And then people just go back to their normal behavior. Exactly right. But you guys, since you know the exponential growth of the AI, exactly. n- you mm-hmm. believe it's coming without a shadow of a yeah. doubt. You've yes. driven in a car and you know that buggies will be obsolete. Mm-hmm. Huh. Exactly right. Exactly. Okay. It's, okay. Like, it's, I mean, it's, again, it's very hard to short AI. Now, whether you want to say it's going to happen in two years or 10 years or 50 years, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. For but all, it's happening. For yeah. all intents and purposes, it's now. Can I ask, in your estimation, if we don't all adopt something similar to the way you view the world, how long does humanity have left? I mean, so we... You know, Ballpark. We, yeah, so we acquired annihila- species-level annihilation weapons in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been fortunate enough to only use it once. Twice, and right? Twi- well, twice, yeah. yes. Uh, yeah, in one moment. And we, we've avoided a bunch of accidents, you know, like where like, bombs have accidentally been dropped from planes mm-hmm. and like, yeah. they should have gone off. Like, so we've survived a few decades of having this, these uh, annihilations. Like we bioterror weapons, which can mm-hmm. wreak absolute havoc. You know, a little teeny virus, like shut the world down. Yeah. Like we are so fragile. So we have existential risk from our own weapons. We have existential risk from our climate not being sustainable. That's a runaway problem. And we have uh, existential risk from AI. Like what will it be? Not that it's going to come and kill everything, but just like, you know, what does it do to society? So like, I think we're in this very precarious moment. Now we've been here before, like we're okay, like we've, we're okay. Uh, but it, it raises this question in the eve of this happening on the, on, you know, this is <laughs> what do we do as a species? And this is my decade long question of what do I do? I wanted to become the existential problems facing the species. So if you say, okay, we have these three risks, what do you do about it? Well, I don't, 
I'm not in government. I'm not negotiating with countries. I can't do anything. Climate change, what do I, you know, do I recycle my Amazon boxes? Mm-hmm. And then you say uh, like other AI risk, I'm not engineering AI, so what do I do? So the majority of us just feel powerless. Mm. I wanted to become all three problems. And so I said, I, as an entity, I'm going to align my 35 trillion cells around one objective, don't die. That means I have to do a new system of power where my organs run me. I have to accept zeroth principle reality. I have to become planet Earth where there's an algorithm taking care of itself. And AI, you've got to align all intelligence around one objective. So basically, don't die. I'm, I'm vying for it to become the, the guiding philosophical structure for all intelligence in the early 21st century. It's what the 25th century says, that's that what they figured the out. Mm-hmm. They figured out that one thing, and we all surrounded ourselves around this one thing we agree upon. Mm-hmm. Instead what happened, of what happens to government? This is like you know you come up with democracy in the thirteen colonies, and it's like how do you solve blank? Like we have so many questions to solve if we could just lock in on the the objective, the mission, the adventure. But locking on that mission or objective or adventure uh, might put certain people that are in positions of power in a very vulnerable position. Yes. And they might not like individuals like yourself. They they might show you how quick you could die. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's, but that's like such a short-term game. Like I, I'm going to die from the most silly thing possible. And people are going to laugh at it. You're going to be a meme. I'm going to be the best joke. I'm going to be the best joke. I'm going to get hit by a Dude, boss. A slip on a banana. Uh, yeah. like, tap dancing slip on a banana <laughs> yeah. would be. That yeah. is just like the universe is irony. My death is irony. And like, there's just, there's just no way around it. You know, it's just like. Zip. Thank you. you oh, yeah. there, there we go. Gosh, you got you. So yeah. you, just, you just said the most like fundamental problem with AI and like with using these algorithms, which, which is alignment. Yeah. Uh, I guess alignment and predictability. But I guess how would you answer that question of how do we align ourselves with this super intelligence? Therefore, you know, it answers our question. Like, is there, do you have a framework for how you approach that? How it answers our existential questions? Like how it, how we make sure that the super intelligence is fighting for us and helping us uh, exist for as long as possible. And not, not fighting for itself. Not fighting for itself. Like yeah. that, that question of alignment. Yeah, we, we're still the engineers of this intelligence right mm-hmm. now. We are. But we're just barely. Barely. <laughs> yeah. Just barely. Yeah. And this is why I think it's so urgent uh, for us to say, what do we do with our new to- tools? Because if we bring it up and we point it at warfare, that's a different training set. Mm-hmm. Mm. And if we train it up to do all of our games, like the, if we want AI to play all the games Homo sapiens have been playing, to me it seems like a pretty difficult spot to navigate our way through that. Well, wouldn't it theoretically just find different games? That's what I'm saying. This, this is still talking about an AI that is within our control that doesn't have a general intelligence. But if we're talking about this AGI, which ultimately to me is the zero maker, we will point it at war and the AGI will say, war is not good. Yeah, I that's won't, silly. I won't participate. And it'll, a new it, thing. It'll be achieving like this higher super intelligence, yeah. which I think is ultimately what we're looking yeah. at. So, you know, obviously the dystopian sci-fi version of this is, you know, humans are a cancer to earth and yeah. potentially a cancer to AGI. So it's in AGI's best interest to get rid of us. That's right. what I fear. So, yeah. and that is the alignment problem that I don't know yep. if anyone really has a solution to. So yep. in your experience, do you have 
have you heard like interesting theories or have you thought of like interesting ways that we can approach that problem specifically? Yeah, there's, uh, yeah, there's a, a so much debate and discussion around this topic. I mean, like one interesting frame to put this in perspective, like just a side tangent mm-hmm. is AI will be so fast that we will appear like plants to it. <laughs> like that's how fast we move the species. We'll be, we'll be frozen in time hmm. in relative to its speed. Mm-hmm. And so when you're in that situation and when it's a million or a billion times smarter than you, our ability to model out anything about this thing is very challenging. Now, you may fill the air with words. Hmm. Who knows? Mm-hmm. And this is why this moment right now is if we have any chance in continuing our existence, we should probably lock in right now as a, a species and say, we're not going to die. Like whatever the future holds, whatever, we're at least going to say yes and go for a ride. But it's silly to, to be playing our death games right now. It just misses the point after 4.5 billion years on this planet, this is our moment. Mm-hmm. And we could be possibly the most spectacular existence in the galaxy. This is us, like right now. Mm-hmm. But yet we're so consumed with our silly games we play. And if we miss it, who knows what's going to happen? Maybe the AI saves us from ourselves. I don't know. But to me, it seems like we want to do everything mm-hmm. we can to increase the probability of our thriving. Or it annihilates us, which violates the main principle, which I agree yeah. is don't die. Yeah. So to me, it's kind of like a coin flip when you ask the first question. Do you want this algorithm to dictate your life that you can't opt out of? Is it this algorithm is benefiting me? Or is it not? Yeah. And your assumption is that it will be benefiting us and creating and making us into a you know splendid creation, which could be true, but it simultaneously it could be annihilating us, and that would also violate the principle. So to me, it's kind of like until we can answer that question, I don't think you can answer the hypothetical mm. effectively. Also, and this goes back to a question Mark was asking before: How much faith do we put in this algorithm? What if the algorithm algorithm says you'd be happier without kids? Yeah, do we subscribe to that? Would we you are su- evolutionarily would, hardwired. Would you subscribe? You already have kids. You know, would you subscribe to that? Yeah, this is definitely, oh, it's, a, oh, it, it's a great yes question. Or, it's a great question. Oh. So basically, um, I concede your point that if you take my situation where I say, I've given power to the algorithm on sleep and food and your exercise, and you go up one more level to say mate selection, children decision-making, career selection, right? Do you say yes to that? And I agree with you it gets complicated. Yeah. Now, my experience has been that my mind is a terrible predictor about what I will like and won't like. Mm. And I, I learned this when I was depressed. Mm. My mind would deliver to me all the time, you should kill yourself. Yeah, right? interesting. And I learned through behavioral psychology that my mind is constantly in error. And I, so like, mm. I've learned my entire life to not trust my mind, even though it tells me it's, it's, most, it's the most important thing in existence. It's always trying to remind me. I know more than anything else in existence. Right? Trust me. I will tell you what to do. I do not trust my mind. And so I am predisposed to say yes, that I would go on this ride. So wow. let's say it was before you had kids. Knowing everything that you know now, the joy, the pain, the struggle, but the amazing moments of raising your children, what, would you still trust the AI if it said don't do it? In the moment where we're transitioning from one to zero, I'm open. Oh, shit, bro. Yeah. <laughs> this guy. Yeah. I mean, this is like, this is a, 
But acknowledge it, yeah, I think, I right there. Like, his, yeah. if his bias is that, oh, my brain is a lunatic trying to kill me, if you yeah. can't trust your brain fundamentally, yeah. like, I understand how you would draw that conclusion. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And right, it's also, if you, if you go back in time, I had my first child 21 years ago. Yeah. AI was not around 21 years ago. We right. were not on the precipice of, of this ability of the superintelligence. So, like, right. I would occupy a world where a first principle thinking would guide my behavior. Now we're in a zero land. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a different, a game different you have reality. Now that you've already got I, kids. I think that's something. Yeah, I think that's something that's like missing in your marketing is the importance in AI and all of this. Like that's something I've really gleaned from this conversation. And I've watched a bunch of podcasts with you and obviously a lot of your videos. I don't think you do this without AI. Is that, am I correct oh, to assume that? Exactly right. Well, so this is more of an experiment in AI. Yes. Then it is an experiment in and eating vegetables. 100%. You yeah. nailed it. And but so, the, you know, the thing is, yeah. like, so and the, thing the is, boner talks kind of like a red herring kind of like it's a yeah, fun like detail. It's, and I'm, I'm actually really glad that we got away from that early. Yeah. Like once you mentioned it, yeah, you're, you're a tech entrepreneur that's experimenting with AI. Yes. And you're using that AI on you. Yes. Internally as opposed to. That's what this is. It's the entire, it's the entire thing. Oh, it's not but puree like, and sometimes yeah, I no, eat no, the no, hard no. vegetables and I use the red light. It, it's, this it's is the, it is singular fucking I don't want to put those labels. It is. Like, I, like, I, it is. I, we talked no, about transhumanism before, but it's kind of touching this that is, idea. This is what the experiment is. Yeah. And yes. it is... I understand maybe the marketing has to be done in a way where it's digestible to people and yeah. they can take these little bites. They go, oh, how can I get my sleep better? I'm going to copy his sleep thing. But that's not what this is for nope. you at all. No. Nope. This is your experimentation with artificial intelligence. It's the only way for robots to not kill us. Yes. Take us there. Mm-hmm. Yes. This mm-hmm. is good. Exactly right. I have a question about the second uh, hypothetical you posed. Like, you know, people in the future looking back on us. My other objection to that is, I guess I'm skeptical that the progression of wisdom and knowledge of Homo sapiens has been purely linear. That I think that there's been times where we've possessed a lot of knowledge and then as a species, it has sort of fragmented or gone away and sort of gone backwards and then gone forwards and gone backwards. And even to your hypothesis, like we have these species annihilating weapons. We're assuming that in the 25th century that Homo sapiens are here assuming we don't blow ourselves up. Right. So I guess I'm curious, do you believe that there is a linear progression that the future people will have, you know, superior morals and ethics than we do right now? How confident are you in that, in that belief? Zero. Like I just, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I and we can say absolutely nothing about reality three months from now. Mm-hmm. That's how big the wall of fog is. Mm-hmm. We, this has never been the case. We know nothing. Mm-hmm. And this is very hard because we know everything. Like we, as a species, <laughs> how fast are we, each one of us individually, yeah. to know everything all the time? Mm-hmm. And how eager are we to say we don't know? It just doesn't exist. Yeah. It's not our vocabulary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like it, it pulls on our reflexes in such a uh, hard way. Mm-hmm. From what I'm hearing of what you're saying, though, if we don't adapt these principles, there will be no humans four centuries from now to even like look back on us. Right. Yeah. And, and even if, let's just say it's not, don't die. Okay. So like we're, we're AI is improving very fast. Some unknown speed It's going to change reality some unknown way. Who else has a competing approach on reality? Who do we probe? Mm. 
Who can pull up and say, I have a practical plan starting from what you eat for breakfast to how you engineer AI? Like mm-hmm. full stack societal development. Yeah, no, in that regard, I think your pursuit is actually quite noble. Like the yeah. desire to be a quote unquote guinea pig to yeah. this uh, sort of like algorithmic, well, you know, role in your life. It, it, it's not guinea pig. You're the tipping point. So what I was talking about before with what ChatGBT needs, like Sora, was it Sora or Soro? Sora. Sora. Sora doesn't need to show me a video of these mammoths walking in the snow. What Sora needs to do is make the a new Ocean's Eleven movie starring George Clooney and Matt Damon and have it scripted perfectly and I watch it. And then all of a sudden my head explodes and I realize we're there and I'm all in. Mm-hmm. You are the Ocean's Eleven movie made by the AI. Mm -hmm. If you can convince us that we don't have to accept decay, because to me, that is the zero moment. Yes. Mm -hmm. I am a four-year-old guy. I make jokes all the time about, I'm 40, I can't hang out, we can't play with these young whippersnappers anymore. I have submitted to the idea of of decay to the point where it's just part of my jargon and and I'm joking around about it. I am submitting to this idea that my body isn't what it used to be and it never will be what it used to be and I'm eventually just gonna die. My dad, who has MCI, makes these jokes all the time as well. Mm. Oh, the aging process is beautiful. Youth, why is it wasted on the young? So the sentence says all the time, if you can prove that you don't have to decay, that's the tipping point for me where I go, oh shit, why am I making these jokes? Why don't I just get on this fucking algorithm and stop dying? Mm-hmm. How long does it take exactly. before he proves it to that's you? That's it though. Exactly. That's the zero moment. I, or I, I, I don't know if that's a zero moment, but that is the tipping point for culture and society. I agree. Because right now we do not believe that to be true, just like we don't believe ChatGPT can do anything really. Exactly. I know it can, but it can't. Yep. I don't I need to see it. mammoths. Yep. I need to see a movie made immediately. Yeah. Every time they do stand-up jokes, they suck. Like it doesn't do anything functional just yeah. yet. Yeah. If you do it, That's why bare zero. minimum we're on board with a version of it, a yes. tier of it. Yes. There, right? How, we, we, how does a social paradigm change yeah. therefore if we adopt exactly. it? I'll slow my clock down. I'll, yes. You've already seen these uh, adaption, uh, adaptations that people have made to their life. I mean, Rogan's been so influential in this. Like people are getting in the ice baths. People are looking at inflammation. Like Americans who are known as like the fattest people on the planet all of a sudden are obsessed with health. Yeah. It's been really cool to see. Yeah. Obsessed with like health isn't obsessed with not dying exactly. Exactly. Right, you nailed it, very good job. Also guys, today's episode is proudly brought to you by Morgan & Morgan. They fight for the people, over 35 years they've been doing it. They've recovered over $20 billion for their clients and have helped over a half a million families. And here's the more exciting news. Not only does Morgan & Morgan have their clients back, they got yours, whether or not you use them. It don't matter. Morgan & Morgan got Flagon fans back because here's what they're gonna do. They are collaborating with us and giving one lucky fan $2,000 and Two tickets to catch the one and only Andrew Schultz, my brother, my co-host, my whatever, you know, cool term kids are using these days to say my fucking buddy. Uh, You get to see him on the Life Tour, which tickets have been sold out for pretty much fucking everywhere for months in Los Angeles at the Kia Forum. Okay, so again, 
$2,000 cold hard cash and two tickets to catch Andrew live in action March 30th at the Kia Forum. This is the opportunity of a lifetime and entering the win is easy. All you have to do is text for the people. That's the number four, T-H-E-P-O-P-L-E. That is 484-373-6753 and follow the prompt for your chance to win $2,000 and two tickets to Andrew's show. Just text for the people. That's 484-373-6753. Hurry up and enter. Let's get back to the shizzle. Guys, it's 2024. Get your balls in order. Get your grooming in order. And you know how you got to do that? If you've been listening to Flagrant, you know who we fuck with, Manscaped. I use their ball trimmer. That shit is fantastic. I take the guard off. You know what kind of confidence I got in their product? I take the guard off. I pull my balls taut. And then I just go to fucking town, dude. I look like a Chihuahua. It's incredible. Some of you got balls looking like a foreclosed home lawn. It's fucking disgusting. Get your life in order. And if you go to manscaped.com and use the code flagrant, you get 20% off plus free shipping. Also, I suggest the Performance Package 5.0. They got anti-chafing ball deodorant, ball aftershave lotion, crop preserver. And as a gesture for the new year, they threw in two free gifts. The Boxers 2.0. You can always use Boxers. And the Shed Toiletry Bag because they're giving you all these products. You need a nice little package to put them in. You got to travel. In the South, we call it a dop kit. I don't know what the fuck y'all call it up here. But a dop kit. You need a dop kit. It's grown man business right there. So the Performance Package 2.0, that's for you. And like I said, you get 20% off in free shipping with the code flagrant at manscaped.com. Guys, embracing you. You and I'm definitely embracing a new trimmer courtesy of Manscaped. Balls, beard, whatever you need, they got it all. Manscaped.com, promo code of flagrant. Let's get back to the show. Are you getting any pushback from like the scientific community or even government? Because theoretically, AI is like an experimental drug and you just jump to human trials. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Funny. yeah. I mean, um, the scientific community, yeah, they. they're conservative in nature, they're structured, they have very good insights and feedback. So, I've I've had a great relationship with them. Obviously, some people criticize me. Others are very enthusiastic. So it's just a typical bell curve of response. Uh, many of the scientists are just like, let me out of my cage and let me go with you. Mm. And others are like, you're doing things wrong. Mm. So it's fine. Like just typical stuff. Yeah, the thing that's interesting on this whole thing, like if you stitch this together, like so what in my mind I've imagined is having come from the world of biographies and seeing people over the centuries do things. It typically is a person who does a given thing. It changes the zeitgeist of humanity. It, it's the, it could be the smallest, the four minute mile or whatever it exactly. is. Or the, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. Or the discovery of penicillin yeah. or of mm-hmm. germs or like what? Like, we just need to see it to believe whatever. it. Whatever. That's exactly what I was saying right there. Like exactly. I need for the chat GPT for you. Exactly. We need to see it to believe it. So question yeah. for you about him. What would it take for him to prove to you? Like how long would that take for him to prove to you he's beaten aging? He's the guy we need to follow. Because if, I mean, if he lives to 120, we're not trying to wait 74 years. To me, it's not the how long you live because I don't think that people are envious of year 100 to yeah. year 120. I agree with you. To me, it's like I fell in love with this new sport <laughs> and I know that my athletic ability isn't what it used to be. Yeah. Like I used to be able to dunk whenever I wanted in a, in a basketball, not on people, but like if I'm on a fast break, it's easy. I'm not dunking anymore. If you could tell me that there are certain things I can do yeah. and all of a sudden I can play this sport that I really love, yeah. at yeah. least where I am right now yeah. for another 30 years instead of another 15, yeah. hey, let's do it. I'm, I'm doing versions of this already. I do PT and I do workouts designed to yeah. keep my body in shape so I can play this thing. If there's other things I can do that don't sacrifice too much from my autonomy or the relationship I have with my wife and what we do, yeah. 
I'm oh, down. Yeah. LeBron is showing you that right now. Well, I think a lot of people have subscribed to that, yeah. right? Yeah. A lot of athletes have gone, wow, I can increase my longevity. I can get another max contract. Right. I can add 50, 70, yeah. $80 million to my playing career if I just invest right now. But I don't see myself in LeBron. I, To be honest, I see myself more in you. Yeah. You don't see yourself in a tall, big black man? <laughs> just the big <laughs> but, like, but yeah, I need to see you... And, and how do you show specifically a lack of decay? Like, that's a, that's a tricky one. Because uh, you can't it's prove... Ability, right? Yeah, but you can't prove a negative. Like, if you go... It, let's say right, you can run a five-minute mile now, and you can continue doing that for 10 years. Yeah. There's part of me that could go, well, yeah, maybe you could just do that for 10 years. Why is it this that's ha- making yeah. you better or not? Like, mm-hmm. there's a woman who's 100 years old who smoked every single day of her life, and then she dies. Would she have lived to 120 if she didn't yeah. smoke? Mm-hmm. You, you don't know. So, yeah, we have to figure out what that thing is. Yeah. I think I would need to see, like, your kids not adopting the blueprint and Ooh. you. Yeah. And yeah. Like, yeah, you need to Honestly, you surpass them I'm, I'm with trying, everything. I'm trying to think of, like, the data points that I got from you that were most impactful. And there are two. One was you finding ways to grow back your hair. Mm. You, yeah, you use the minoxidil that's inside all the things. Uh, so if I just coughed it up to the minoxidil, I'd be like, okay, there's a pharmacological approach, right? I've been on Propecia or Finasteride or whatever it is for decades. Um, but it was that it was that stopped it from graying as well. Graying is what got me. Yeah. Like those things I go, I didn't know that that was possible. Mm-hmm. And I tried to like, find a workaround for how you did it. You're like, yeah, it's growing from the root. And I'm like, well, maybe he's dying his scalp <laughs> and that, de- you know, like I'm yeah. trying to not yeah. believe you. Yeah. So I'm trying to like uh, reverse engineer this. How can I be convinced? What could I do yeah. that would convince me? Have you thought through this? I have, yeah. It's why, you know, it's in part why I've become more measured than any human in history. I'm trying to show all the data. Yeah. And so I'm and basically putting it out like each person is going to have their own thing. So this is why I play around with erections. Right? I, it, like that is an understandable thing it is, for and, and hair. Yeah, hair and like, and, it's like you tap into the insecurity points, and if you can find some sort yes. of cure for the insecurity points, we're convinced. Exactly. So like I did. Okay. I did my thymus, which is your organ. Like it's right behind your chest here. It's responsible for your immune system. We did a therapy where I reversed my thymus age by seven years. Okay. Now we're pretty soft in that because it's brand new. If, we're, you know, if we want to be truly scientific, we'll say, ah, here's all the disclaimers. But like, it was really impressive. No one cares yeah, about thymus. thymus. No one is. cares. Mm. But it was, we were so happy. No yeah. one cares. You talk about 18-year-old boners for yeah. a 46-year-old, instantaneously get it. And like, yeah. that, that is a legitimate measurement. You're like, <laughs> so that is not something we're just making up. It's not like some... So, so we hit, we, we talk about the thymus, we talk about the brain, the it's lungs. Not, it's not low-hanging fruit. It's... We talk about dozens of things. And then people like pick and a, choose what they the like. It's the most digestible fruit. It's digestible yeah. fruit and it's emotional attachment. Yeah. Like there's, yeah, every guy wants to be able to, it's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, every guy wants to be able to satisfy their girl or the girl they haven't even met yet. And they want to do it to the best of their ability as long as they possibly can. And there's a huge, uh, you know, pharmaceutical industry that's built around yeah. this. You're saying that you've gotten your 18-year-old boners back. And these are Mormon boners, too. Like, <laughs> you weren't even fucking back. Like, these, these are good to go. Okay. The wind blows. 
Okay. Okay. And, and and can you quickly take us through those steps? And one, what the AI is telling you. Yeah. Like, what is the data telling you is missing as you get older? And then how you change that? Yeah. Because it must start with the AI, right? It starts, or it starts with the data. Yeah. Always data. Okay. Yeah. So we started off we because we were systematically going through the the body, like measuring every organ. And so one day as a team we were talking, and I said what would it take for me to have the most measured penis in the world? <laughs> like, what would you do? And so we went through the literature and we said, well, mm. we can measure the penis with these 10 different things. So for example, I went to a clinic and I did uh, max urination speed. So I drank as much water as I could till my <laughs> bladder was about to explode. <laughs> and yeah, then there's like a device and you're, you're peeing as hard as you can. <laughs> and you see your urine max speed, right? Of like, what you, what, so that, yeah. how, you remember? Like, as a like, you punched? <laughs> <laughs> It was uh, 29 um, milliliters per second. Oh, that's pretty good. Uh, you're going to take that to a fair. I, t- yeah, yeah, I topped yeah. it up. <laughs> it's a clown. Yeah, yeah. I topped it up. But like, you remember as kids, you know, like when you're like seven, eight, nine, you can stand like five feet away from the urinal. You're like, let's go. Yeah, Go yeah, for it. Right? Yeah. And so the, the, there's a speed. Like you can measure what is your speed and how that relate to age. I then got a, a shot in the penis that gave me an erection. And then they use ultrasound to measure penile blood flow. So you can see how much blood flow is getting to the penis in what ways. So you can this quantify that. This would be that. max erection because the shot induced a max erection. Yeah, so but, you had like a yeah. base point. Yeah, just so I can see what is blood flow according to ultrasound in the penis. So oh, you're, you're, okay. you're but, just quantifying. Okay, but it's just a, a normal erection for your age? Yeah, you were just trying to find out where it's at. Like what is the data for blood flow? Got it, got yeah. it, got it. Got so it. we're trying to say like how fast can I pee? What is the blood flow in my penis? Um, I answered, I did like three different surveys on like erection hardness, uh, penetrability. I scored perfectly, so I don't have any ED. But we went through all these different measures. We did, we have this device that's going to come that measures uh, nerve sensitivity on the penis. So as you age, your nerves wear and tear and you lose sensitivity. So like on the hill, my hill, for example, I've got sensitivity of like four millimeters, like something like that. Because mm-hmm. it's calloused, right? And then as you're 80... You, you've got sensitivity of like this, because you, know, like, mm. you, you feel less. And mm. so on the tip of your penis is no different. You lose sensitivity yeah. when you're having intercourse. And so we went through all these measurements to say, where's my baseline as a penis? Because I'm 46 years old. And then we said, what can we do about it? And so we did a few therapies. We did um, electro, electro uh, shockwave therapy. That's crazy. crazy. <laughs> so it's Why actually shockwave. And so, you saying it hurt was when I was really like, it's I'm not, actually okay. Did you bring the machine here? <laughs> yes. I think Andrew wanted to test it. The shock does what? So it's used, the technology used to over the entire body. So for example, people who tear an ACL, yeah. you can use a shockwave to uh, rebuild the ACL after surgery. You can use it on knees, you can use it on shoulders. And so, so is this was, the idea that you destroy the muscle and then the muscle fibers build exactly. it back up strong? It's like working out. In an extreme. In very focused ways. Got it, got it, got it. And so you, it's like, it was used for ED. So people who had erectile dysfunction, they were given six treatments. And so it was a uh, great study. And we said, even though I don't have ED, can I apply it to myself and will it enhance performance? Mm. So we did a few of those. And then I did Botox, uh, 100 units in the penis. What part? Uh, it's towards the, the base of the shaft. Okay. And then I... What was the purpose of that? It, Make uh, it look prettier. It increases blood flow. Okay. So it's also successfully used for ED. 
So we took those therapies. And then I had baseline measurements for my nighttime erection. So there's this little cube. Uh, it's like a centimeter cubed. It has a little string and you wrap it around the shaft of your penis. You put it at the base and you go to bed and you start the, the timer. And then over the night, it measures the engorgement of the penis. Mm-hmm. And so as you become engorged and you become less engorged, engorged, so it measures the number of erections and the quality of the erection and the total time of, erec- of erection. So my baseline was two hours and 12 minutes. So 132 minutes. And then last week, last Sunday, I got 179 minutes post these therapies. Thanks, man. Thanks, <laughs> dude. Which took me uh, between 20 and 29-year-olds, the average is 145. So I destroyed the average erectile uh, nighttime duration. Now, nighttime erections, they are a significant indicator of cardiovascular, physiological, and sexual health. It's, a big, it's not just like you're getting boners and it's fun. It is a function of how well your body is running it in its entirety. Mm. And so I showed you could measure the penis, you could do therapies to the penis, and you could improve the penis. Now, in that regard, you'd be like, interesting. Like, you know, like, because a lot of my friends have been messing with me, like, <laughs> I don't think I'm getting any erections. Like, I think they're gone. Like, I don't remember a time when I've woken up and I've had an erection. Like, as a kid, you're always erect. Mm. And they're like, I don't know if it's happening. I don't find it ever. So it's a pretty big deal. And so in that regard, like, is that relatable? Yes. Like, we all experience that on a day-to-day basis. We have, you know, partner. Did you have shock therapy parties? (laughs) (laughs) Invite the boys over? Honestly, we should. (laughs) That's honestly a great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tonight. Tonight. Pull up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Shock therapy... Botox, uh, which of these did you find had the best results and do you even measure for those variables? In other words, can you separate them? Yeah, we, we were going to and then the device we were using had some technical problems and it went down for a few months. So I just got the brand new device with the new mm. redesign. Okay. So I wasn't able to measure it till last, last week. So at this point, we don't know which one of them is yeah. most the effective. Device, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's two hours of boners. Yeah. 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 Okay. Three hours of boners. Yeah. Oh, oh, shit. Minutes, two hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Goddamn. Okay. Okay. The three hour boner. That's the mark we got to hit. You're one minute. Yeah. 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 Okay. This is interesting. So you'll figure out which one of those things is actually most beneficial. Yeah. And then maybe it's all three or maybe you just use one of those. Yeah. And that is the process. And then once you lock in that, are you still experimenting and still adding more yeah. variables? Okay. For so all, it's not yeah. that for everything. It's a constant. Constant. Okay. And are there experts in each field that essentially are being... Got it. Exactly. Yeah. And I just did my... Go ahead. Are they your full time or do they work on other people's stuff as well? Other stuff too. Got it. Okay. What are the health lion slash longevity trends that you kind of laugh at based on your own research? Like mm. ice baths, do those help? What, like, what are some of the things that are like really trendy? There's one that's big, no seed oils. I know you're big on EVOO, but yeah. like, what are some of these things that are really trendy right now, whatever, that you're just like, there's no evidence to support this and it's really kind of dumb? Yeah, we, what we did that was unique is we went through all the scientific evidence and we ranked all of them according to the power laws. We graded the evidence and then we did the power laws. And so if you walk down the power laws, we try to apply all those power laws into me. Once you get to a certain level of like level 100 on power law, there's thousands of potential therapies. Mm. So like, you know, it's like ice bath. It may be great. I don't do it. Uh, like it may be great. It's not that it's not without benefits. It just doesn't rank for a power law. And so because my life is so structured with all these routines and mm. because of power law focus, we focus on the highest effect items. And so sleep. Uh, 
Exactly. Yeah, we we got to get in. We got to get into this. And, like and, mastering the basics. And so, like, I don't do sauna. I don't do ice bath. It's, it's not that they're not without benefits. It's just that they haven't qualified yet on the power laws for what we're doing. But we're absolutely open all the time to making changes to anything. Like we have no righteousness or agenda. We are, we are absolutely after power law. Mm-hmm. And what are the power laws? Uh, the basics that you're familiar with. Okay. Don't smoke, it, don't drink, it. diet, sleep, exercise. Yep. And so then avoiding that stuff. Selfishly, I'm going to ask a question for, I think, all of us. He has insomnia. I have a horrible insomnia. Mm-hmm. But also, I know you go to bed at 8 p.m. or 8.30. Not feasible for us. We finish shows sometimes on weekends, 12.30, 1 in the morning. Yeah. You have a schedule that's not conducive to 8.30. We're not necessarily just going to quit our dreams. What can we do? Yeah, so it's not that you have to go to bed at 8.30. Just choose a bedtime and be consistent. And so the biggest change for me is I rerouted my identity to be a professional sleeper. I think of myself that way. And I don't live, I don't sleep so I can live life. I live life so I can sleep. And when you flip that on its head, you will have a different conscious existence. You will be more alert. You will be more cogent. You will be more stable. Your emotions will run your show, your life less. Like there's no higher yield in existence for us as humans than sleep. So what is, so you say you had perfect sleep scores. What does that entail? What does that like feel like? What, how long does it take you to fall asleep? What does that mean? Yeah, I, I have a three minute, I hit the, my head hits the pillow and I'm asleep three minutes later. Shit. I have on average, I'm up around 34 minutes a night. Um, that's what I call my WASO, my wake after sleep onset. It's age-based, so you can see that number and predict age. And then I have about two and a half hours of REM, two and a half hours deep. So you get eight hours and 34 minutes of sleep on average. And I wanted to show, I wanted to do like an Amelia Earhart or a four-minute mile. I demonstrated eight months of perfect sleep wearing Whoop, this, this device. And so it was a 100% sleep score, and no one in history had ever done eight months of perfect sleep. And I thought, can you achieve high-quality sleep? And so I did it. And I, have, I think a lot of people thought it was impossible. The sleep is like this unknown thing. When you lay down, it's like, good luck. You don't know what's going to happen. So I wanted to show it could be done. It doesn't affect you if you're like traveling, like say if you're at a hotel and you don't have all the same conditions. It does. So, and that didn't disrupt your perfect sleep or did I, you stay at home during those No, I, I traveled and I still was successful. I would mm-hmm. just, so like the power, what I found to be the power laws is eating earlier and less is better. Mm-hmm. If I ate late, late then I would have a, a you know, poor sleep. Um, having a nighttime routine, so you know, 30 to 60 minutes before you go to bed, be able to wind and separate, unwind and separate yourself from the day. If your head hits a pillow and you're still upset or you're thinking about solving a problem or whatever, you're going to ruminate about it all night long. Being consistent every single night. So set your time, whatever it is. So if it's one in the morning, just be consistent every night. And that's the same regardless of what time zone you're in. So it's 8 p.m. your time zone, yep. wherever you are. I mean, here, I'm, I'm from L.A., so I'm... I'm on New York time for four days. Mm-hmm. I'll just stay in LA time. LA time, yeah. yeah. But I, when we went to Singapore, my son and I went to Singapore, I acclimated to Singapore time. Okay, got it. Um, but yeah, like, there's like a, a long list of things, not long, 10 things I do for my sleep. If you nail those and you're, you're reliably consistent, most people can dig themselves out of sleep problems. Mm-hmm. It's just the, like my, percent, my my hypothesis for you would be you potentially don't have insomnia. You just have habits that are contributing to insomnia. Quite possible. Now, you may have insomnia. I wouldn't argue with you. Possibly, but if people just give a go at the basics just for a little bit, I promise you, it will, it will surprise you how good life feels. Hmm. So what do you say for someone, 
it, he's easy to convince, right? Because he's coming from a deficit. And yeah. He really, it affects, don't yeah. let me speak for you, but it really life. affects his life, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's amazing how he's able to function at such a yeah. high level given he's only getting a few hours of sleep sometimes. Someone like me, we're like, I can sleep pretty well. Like sometimes I get six hours, sometimes I get nine hours. Like yeah. I, it's, I don't see the benefits of sleep that you're talking about and many other people are talking about. What are these benefits? Mm. Like for me, it's a hard motivator because I don't really see it as something that's affecting me that much. It might be, I don't even know. Maybe I'm not even getting great sleep. Yeah. But do, do you understand, like it does, it's not like a problem that I need solved. Whereas some of the other things, like if I if I want to play this sport for another 20 years, I'm like, well, what do I got to do, Brian? Yeah. Talk to me. You yeah. know, where's my motivation to do something like that? And even further for him as a new father, it's like, well, I can't sleep eight hours straight. That's just not an option yeah. Yeah. right now. Yeah, I would go to the data. So like when you deal with perception of the mind, it's very, very hard to know if you're looking at reality. Right. Huh. So I'd start with the data. Like mm-hmm. I'd look at your sleep data, your patterns, and I would look at your respiration rate, your heart rate. Get the whoop, look and Anything. see how deep I'm yeah. sleeping, and then... If I'm feeling pretty good now, what you're saying is I could be feeling so much better. Yeah. And there's, there's age markers. You can look at your sleep data and you can see where you're at in the age graph. You may be sleeping like a 55-year-old. You may be sleeping like a 30-year-old. Just find out. Mm. Now, if you're sleeping like a 25-year-old, like you just have a good genetic makeup and you're good, great. But just look at the data. Okay. Let the data tell you where you're at because mm. subjective experience is going to lead you astray. And you trust Whoop over Aura or any of the other? They're all great. I use it because I like the form factor. But yeah, Aura, the, the form, form factor. factor. Like I like the rich, the wrist, yeah. yeah. But yeah, Aura, Garmin, uh, Fitbit, Apple Watch. Like, just get one of them. They're, they're all going to give you different data. Their algorithms are all different. But it, at least you have some data. Which one do you find to be... Are you going to come out with a piece like that? That seems mm-hmm. like something that would be... No, it's not on our development path. They, there's good graphs out. There's good um, comparisons out there showing the accuracy of the various devices. So you can just check one of those. They have different accuracies on different things. Mm-hmm. Have you accounted for social interaction in this algorithm? Um, I have. I would say that I... Like how important is friendship? Yeah. <laughs> um, is that a first principle? Yeah. I have better friends that I've had in my entire life right now. And that's probably because I was in a, like I was in a community people of people before in a similar religion and or whatever. So we had, we were bonded to buy this community thing, but there were some constraints on how far and how deep we'd go with each other. And now the people I'm in life with, I'm just in. Hmm. And so for me, I, I'm like at peak personal relationship time. Peak personal relationship. Yeah, like like I've never had a more fulfilling relationship structure in my life. And how important is that to not dying and longevity? Probably pretty important. And is there a way to get data on that? Is there a way to calculate that? I mean, I, we're social human beings. Yeah. We love being around each other. We love watching each other laugh, smile, yeah. cry. Like it, you see something cool happen on the street, you immediately look for another human being to see if they saw it as well. So you can have this <laughs> yeah. beautiful moment where you connect. Yeah. You do something cool in a sport, you look to make sure someone else saw it. The connectivity is crucial. Yeah. And I just wonder if there's some sort of metric where you can see you know, the importance of that. Yeah, you could probably tease it out using a whole bunch of different markers. I mean, our social bonds are a power law for our longevity. Uh, uh, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm, yeah. So how do you... How, that's actually interesting. By doing these other things, it's put you in a position to build this community where you've had really strong or peak social relationships. Yes. 
So this is people hanging out the best of each other all the time. True. (laughs) So this thing has helped you develop those friends. But what would you say to the person who maybe it's a little bit more difficult for them to develop friendships, knowing how important it is for them to not die? What do you say to them then? Yeah. I empathize with them. Yeah. I'm introverted generally and it's hard. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's hard being human generally. Yeah. Mm. And especially hard when you're, when you're alone. Yeah. 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 I mean, what is, yeah. Why else are we living? Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, you know, like being, the difficulty of being human is real. And I know we all put on very pretty faces for each other every day, but God, it's suffering is intense mm-hmm. and on all different levels all the time. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with Dr. Huberman's protocols? Yeah. Do you, did you adopt any of the things that his research pointed out or, you know, as far as your protocols and his protocols, do you find that there's any like uh, misalignments? I mean, I'm generally, I welcome anybody who's working on Don't Die, I celebrate. Mm-hmm. It, I, I'm not trying to jockey uh, in the power games of my community. Mm-hmm. I just want us to thrive in this part of the galaxy. That's really the objective. Mm-hmm. And Respect so, that. yeah, it is. So I, I try to overcome, um, I'm trying to transcend my own proclivities to the games I was taught to be human. Mm-hmm. of status and power and wealth and jealousy. And uh, those are just negative emotions that detract from what I think we can become as a species. So I, yeah, I've tried to embody that. Just mm-hmm. say all, like, let's just all go. Mm-hmm. But like specifically for nighttime, do you not use like light or use your phone or things like that? Or for like daytime, do you try to like line up the way you wake up like with the sun or things like that? Yeah, like those are some, some of the more commonly known scientific principles. Like, yeah, nighttime, I do avoid screens. Mm-hmm. I wear blue eye blocking glasses in the morning. I do get light. So he's read some of the very similar, similar studies we have. Mm-hmm. So there are some that qualify as good enough evidence that pretty much anyone in the community is doing. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah, you said you had like 10 things that would help you sleep. What are those 10? Yeah, or is it great. too long to... No, I can really give you a few. Yeah. Uh, I found if I eat late, it, it chews up my sleep. Okay. And if I eat the wrong food, it chews up my sleep. Yeah, same. Yeah. Mm. Uh, no alcohol, it kills my sleep. Um, wind down routine. If I go to bed and I'm aroused, like if I'm mad or if I'm upset or if I'm trying to solve a problem or like whatever, then it carries over all night. It will ruin sleep. How do you not do that? Uh, so I had this situation uh, a couple years ago. I used to eat overeat every single night, like in my dark days of depression. And hmm. and uh, at 7 p.m. would arrive and I'd call this guy. Well, so I would overeat uh, because I'd put the kids to bed. I was exhausted and just wanted to die. Hmm. I knew my partner was on the couch, like waiting for a fight. And I was like, oh God, I just want to be like the opossum. I want to be an opossum, lay down and pretend like I'm dead. And the only thought that would give me, uh, would soothe my grief was the idea of food in the kitchen. Hmm. And like, if I could just eat myself into oblivion. And so I was 60 pounds heavier than I am now. uh, And I couldn't stop myself from that behavior. Every day I'd wake up and be like, last day. Uh, I'm exercising and I'm going to eat all, well all day and then 7 p.m. will come yeah, like just disaster. I get that. So then like one day out of desperation, I couldn't buckle my pants because it was too tight. You know, it's just like, it felt so uncomfortable. And I said, evening, Brian, you're fired. Like, you make my life miserable, you're done. And so it was the first time in my life where I separated myself from yeah. my behavior. Yeah. And it, it was this joke. I was like, that's kind of a silly concept. And I, then I listed out like, who is evening, Brian? What are his characteristics? 
what arguments does he use? Like today's the last day, tomorrow we're gonna work out really hard. Like, mm. yeah, he's very clever. Mm-hmm. And I just made a rule from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m., evening Brian cannot eat. Huh. Like he, under no circumstance can he eat. And that solved it for me. Mm. And so then at nighttime, I say, uh, sleep Brian is in charge. So when sleep Brian, 30 minutes before bedtime, he's in charge. So any incoming thought of like, this problem is major and it's gonna, it's, you know, like it's gonna cause all kinds of crisis or like you feel really bad about this interaction today. You wish you wouldn't have said that. The sleep Brian says, thank you for that observation. We are now in sleep mode. Mm-hmm. So we can think about that tomorrow. We have all day to think about that problem. Right now we're gonna mm-hmm. focus on priority sleep. Mm-hmm. So it's a way for me, I, it's a trick I learned when I was depressed. When my mind said, you should commit suicide. I learned that that was not me. It was my mind suggesting these things when I said, Thank you, mind, for that suggestion. I'm now not going to listen to you. So it's a way for you, it's like a meditative practice to filter out life. Yeah. That otherwise you're you're unknowingly ruled by your mind. Yeah. Which is just chaotic and it's spewing all day long all the reasons why you should hate yourself and kill yourself and <laughs> not love yourself. Yeah. And it's really quite difficult. Yeah. So I've heard people do this with like anxiety a lot, like yeah. labeling their anxiety or even giving it a name. Yeah. And then when they hear the anxious thought like, oh, you're not good enough, you're gonna fail in the future, they're able to identify it as like, okay, that's insert name. Like that's not me. That's a different thing in my brain mm-hmm. that's trying to detract. Yeah. That's a really smart approach to even just optimizing little things in your life like sleep and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. You stop eating at 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. Wakes up at 4.30, right? Ish, so yeah. from 11 to 8.30, at what point does the hunger start to set in? Because you have to get hungry, right? You don't just get used yeah. to not eating. I'm kind of used to it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It burned me up for a while and now I'm pretty used to it. Used to it meaning the sensation of hunger has become normal and now it's your kind of like baseline? I'm more satiated and less hungry now. Before I was like, excruciatingly hungry, and now I'm pretty satiated. Okay, and this is part of, I think, the same question. Are you concerned about working out too much because it would increase your caloric intake? Yeah. Which would offset these other markers? We've been, so we've had the same question. I'm caloric restricted, and I exercise an hour a day, and I'm vegan, and so you put those, and I'm on low protein, so I'm on 110 mm. grams of protein a day. Those are all no-nos. Yeah, that, to, <laughs> And yet, according to MRI, my body fat and, and muscle are the top 99.5 percentile. Mm. My cardiovascular ability is in the top 1.5% of 18-year-olds. Uh, my speed of aging is among the lowest in the world. So according to all the data we can get, my bone mineral density is the top 99.8 percentile of eight, uh, 30 year olds, which is age min for the test. So by all the data we can see, it seems to be okay. Mm-hmm. And if there's problems, we haven't yet found it. Again, we're always open to being wrong, but right now the data looks pristine on every measure we're looking at. Hmm. Are there any wow. variables that you are accounting for pharmacologically for example, uh, blood pressure, or are you on a statin? Like, are there any traditional methods that you take? Maybe you don't have blood, what is it, blood pressure problems, yeah. but you're just taking them yeah. as a preventive measure. Yeah. What are they? Yeah, I'm on, actually, so we love drugs. <laughs> okay, this is good. Yeah. Okay. Tell us the drugs, you're yeah, on what for are, everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so I, um, I hurt my, I went hiking and I hurt my shin and I had to get, I had to go to an emergency room and get it stitched up. Mm. So I went in there. And the doctor came down. He's like, all right, son, we'll get you stitched up. 
before I do so, are you on any any meds? No. So I was like, all right, what the hell? I'll try. I'll give it a go. I said, well, yeah, I'm on metformin. And he said, the, the drug they give to diabetics? Yes. Huh. I'm on rapamycin. The drug they give to people who are doing organ transplantation? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm on distatinib. The leukemia drug? Yes. And he's like, good Lord, son. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. But it was just, I. it was such a sobering moment for me to realize like how far we had gone in and how disconnected we were from standard of care. Yeah. So yeah, so for blood, so yeah, I'm on metformin. I do um, 1,500 milligrams a day. I do a carbos, 400 milligrams a day. What's a carbos? Uh, it's like a blood sugar or blood sugar modulator. Same as metformin. Uh, yeah, I do metformin. Yeah, we do metformin for polyps uh, prevention. Hmm. But a lot of people don't take metformin because they're worried about reduction of exercise gains. That kind of gained some popularity. If it did, all my exercise and fitness markers are at the top decile of performance, so fine if there's a cost for paying that. Then I do rapamycin. Uh, maybe you've heard. We do a pretty aggressive protocol on that. And like For example, to get to rapamycin, it's a drug discovered just recently, and it's really promising in terms of how it extends. The metformin rapamycin combo was the 10th most powerful longevity study, extending lifespan by 20%. Yeah, there's a what is it? Uh, uh, Atia, is that how you pronounce his yeah. name? I think he's a big... Peter Atia. Yeah, Peter Atia has been talking a lot about rapamycin. Yeah, no? rap is, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so rap is a big one. So on that one, it's a drug that... Uh, so we've been measuring the half-life. So once you take it, you have a C-max where like you have, it peaks in the blood and then it slowly decays through its half-life. So we take the dose and we measure my blood two hours after 24, 48, 72, and 96, and we watch through the decay curve. Mm-hmm. So we do it all these drugs. We try to measure it as extensively as possible to figure out what a dose to take and why. And so I'm currently on a dose where I do 13 milligrams of rapamycin one week on week zero, nine, week one, 13, week two, et cetera. So I wrote it between 13 and, 19, nine, 13 and nine milligrams per week. Not asking you to be a, a snitch on your doctor dealer, but <laughs> how are you getting all these prescription drugs without having the medical necessities for these prescription, prescription yeah. drugs? So they can be Rx by any doctor. It's just a question, will the doctor do it? And he's willing right. to take that risk. Yeah, exactly. Because well, the doctor will, they may not be familiar with it. They may feel like it's going to endanger their license. So it's not a commonplace thing. And you have to dig into the literature to see it's actually... one. Sorry, one prescription drug just, everybody should try to take for longevity, quality of life, anything you think. Mm. Or two. Yeah, yeah. It feels like you need to take a few to offset yeah. the side effects, right? Uh, it's so hard. I guess I've learned enough about this to say it depends. Mm. Your age, your circumstances, your health profile, mm. it, it's nuanced. Okay, mm. fair. So there's not just one catch-all for everybody. It's really the power laws. As much as mm. uh, they're not sexy, sleep, diet, exercise, you know, that's not what people want to hear. Yeah. And stopping bad stuff. Like sometimes stopping the bad stuff. People want to do good things because it's an easy thing to do. Like if you buy uh, a bottle no of pills, yeah. you pop it. Mm-hmm. When you have to stop eating a pint of ice cream every night, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's hard. Yeah. And so, so motion, yeah. How do you feel about Ozempic that's helping people stop the cravings for the bad stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. So this is the question. If you had access to an algorithm <laughs> that could, Ozempic is an algorithm. Oh. It turns off your hunger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so this is the question. When we humans hear this question, we're like, fuck no. 
when it helps us do something we want, we're like, fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it happens so fast, we don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. So Zembic is a good example of you assemble a few molecules, you swallow it, magic happens. Hmm. And we're going to have, because AI is now the primary drug designer, we're going to have fantastic drugs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you did say there was some, uh, something that was even more effective than Ozempic that's natural though, which is e- EVOO, right? Yeah. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, I was, sure. I was doing that a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Extra virgin olive oil. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, we call it snake oil. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But you're pushing this stuff. You <laughs> so, said that was the one thing that you would recommend to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So we went through my daily calories. I have 2,250 calories every day. Yeah. And we had a rule where we said every calorie has to fight for its life. Hmm. If it doesn't do something in the body, it's out. There's nothing that's cool or trendy or like it can't be on taste. It has to f- give the body the ideal outcome. And so, yeah, extra virgin olive oil is 15% of my daily calories. It has a bigger spot out of any caloric intake I have of any food. Wow. wow. And so we had a problem because we, but it has to be of a very specific type. It has to be yeah. six criteria. Most even, most extra virgin olive oil in the world uh, does not hit it. It's does it's lower quality or has other oils. And so we had this big problem of trying to solve high quality oil. And so we started sourcing it for ourselves. Then friends and family were like, I want some too. We're like, okay. So yeah, we did a brand. And so I basically sell it at cost. So that was my question. Cool. This is not a money-making thing. Like yes. My, it, sure. it's, it's so low, um, we're basically getting out and at no cost. Is no that cash. your intention with most? Because you have, I've checked your website, you have products coming. You got yeah. protein bars, you got... Yeah. Is, that, is it all going to be around cost for us? We're very close, yeah. Our margins, I've tried to be as low margin. Evo is like basically no profit. The other prices will be, other margins will be a bit higher, but just enough to let us operate as a company. Uh, this is genuinely trying to, we're trying to, the objective is don't die, mm-hmm. not to make a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the mode oh, of delivery yeah. for olive oil, do you just drink it or do you use it as an actual like dressing? Either. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I do, yeah, three tablespoons a day. I do one with each meal. Like interesting data on extra virgin olive oils. When you eat, it causes your body damage. So it's just an unavoidable thing. Eat food, causes aging damage. Hmm. Uh, and so, Evo will lower blood sugar response. It lowers oxidized LDL. It lowers uh, LDL. So it lessens damage that happens in the body. And then it's shown to be positive for mood and for weight and for blood pressure and for arterial. Like what happens when you have oxidized LDL is it builds up arterial plaques. And plaque in arteries is very bad. Mm -hmm. And so it eliminates the oxidized LDL. And so it has so many positive benefits over whole body. And so I jokingly said, like tongue in cheek, uh, extra virgin olive oil is more powerful than NR, cold plunge, sauna, <laughs> um, Ozempic, and your favorite podcast. <laughs> and I was like, I was kind of fucking around. But, but kind of not. But kind of not. It's kind of like, like we talk about all this stuff, but if you follow the evidence, you know, like it's a pretty solid food hmm. uh, that everyone should just have in their diet as a staple. Interesting. Okay. AI is going to be, the, you said AI is already designing all of our drugs or designing drugs. Right? Yeah. Where does that go? What drugs are we going to get in the very near future yeah. from AI? So now we have the ability to engineer atoms and molecules and biological systems. Okay. We have the ability to engineer digital reality. We've just entered the ability to engineer all of reality. Hmm. 
Now we have, we can't, right? This is the thing. We are, that's the moment we're at. So we can put things on our eyes. Just, just explain that one more time. So we have digital reality. We got that. But now if you can engineer atoms and molecules, exactly. you can make whatever you want. This is the thing we have. It's insane. It's like an absolute explosion. Explain that to it. Cause you know where this could go because you're, I don't know if it's a futurist or you've already subscribed. You you know the power of AI. Again, there are so many people right now that are still just skeptical. They yeah. don't get it yet. It's almost yeah. like Facebook first coming out. Yeah, They're yeah. like, oh, what is this for? So just break it down for us. When you say we can engineer atoms and molecules, where does your brain go with that? Yeah. What are we making exactly? Yeah. Okay, so here's an example. If you were to ask somebody a thousand years ago, how big is reality? Hmm. They would say, well, I can, like, they kind of see, they feel, they touch. You know, like you use your senses to determine reality. And then we discovered there's this thing called the electromagnetic spectrum. You know, it's like a trillion times bigger than what we can see with our eyes. And we've just discovered more and more of reality. And so reality is like orders of magnitude bigger than we ever thought possible. So now you take this basic question, what, is, what are the possible conscious states we could have? So we were born and we say, well, we know what happiness feels like and sadness. I know what it feels like to get hurt and skin my knee. I know what it feels like to fall in love. I know what it feels like to get drunk. So we, and then you could do a psychedelic. You're like, that's a different experience. So we start to like sample like what is roughly the size of consciousness. And we have in our minds like this, this rough idea. Now you apply AI and you apply the ability to engineer atoms, molecules, and organisms. How big is consciousness? Is it a trillion times bigger than what we realize? Like as other things have followed in the past where we have caught this very narrow glimpse. And so this is why it's so exciting of Don't Die is we have a hard time letting go of things in the past. Like we love our games of wealth and status and power. Like they're familiar, we're winning at them, like whatever. But to jump, it's like being on monkey bars. You want to let, let go of one bar to swing to the next to grab it. But if you can't see it, you don't want to swing. Yeah. We can't see it, so we don't know what we want to swing. But if we have, you know, like I've been investing in this for 15 years now, when you can take an atom and build them like Legos, when you can design a biological system to do a given thing, when you can design digital reality and you can do the full stack. What do we get? Just t tell me what I'm looking at. <laughs> okay. Um, it could be um, like, it could be a situation where not only do you not age, but you acquire superhuman abilities. So like dunking would be whatever. How would I acquire that? Uh, let's just say- What are you doing with those atoms and molecules? Are you shooting them in me and yeah, so like, make say me a we're black? Work, we're working. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't die. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. You no, for real, what? So it's like, okay, so let's just say the, the, what you have to deal with is your joint strength. Yeah your muscles, uh, we have to just deal with your physiology, right? So let's just say we've got a few gene therapies that we, we would utilize, mm. right? Um, um, yeah, just like a few therapies. And now you've got the, the joints and the muscles to dunk. And not just dunk on a 10-foot rim, but, you know, like... 20-foot rim, if I want. Whatever, like, there's... The, there's you're, augmenting, you're augmenting my body based on these molecular structures that you're building outside of me to give me whatever power, superpower that I want. Fuck, there's a zero so, right okay. there. Sports, done. 
So here's an example. If you can pull this up, um, have you seen the Follistatin dog? Uh, okay, what is it? Uh, type in Follistatin dog or Follistatin cow. How do you spell it? F O L L. You did Follistatin, right? I did. I just did, I just did my first gene therapy. Yeah. We need How to talk about. Wait. Okay. A great. Do you want to tell us before you tell us about this dog, or Let's do take you a pull up uh, the cow and go down second one in from the left? So that cow has similar effects to the gene therapy I just did. That's real? Yeah. And you can do a full statin dog, you'll see one too. I mean, that doesn't look particularly healthy, right? It looks like the most healthy cow I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And that cow's not working out, right? It's not like it's, it's on just some, like... walking around. <laughs> oh, that's muscle? So yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, it's muscle. Yeah, go type in a full statin dog. Oh, no way. This thing's about to look sick. So, <laughs> yeah. I just did this gene therapy. What in the fuck? Yeah. Oh my God. That's just a hood pit bull. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so this, this therapy ranks <laughs> <look> like Nelly. <laughs> um, number seven as all time best performing lifespan study. It's over 30% in mice. And so I got the injection in September. Uh, I got two injections in my abdomen. This is in the adipose tissue. And it's, uh, it, it inhibits myostatin, but I didn't do it to do that, even though it has effects on muscle growth. I did it because it has potential effects in slowing speed of aging, reducing epigenetic age, uh, potential, like all whole body benefits. So I'll, I'm measuring, I'm doing my first set of measurements next month, whole body, mm. increase the telomeres, a whole bunch of stuff. But th we studied gene therapy for three years and we didn't do it because we couldn't find any safe gene therapies. Because once you do a gene therapy, it starts doing its thing in your body. If you don't like it, you can't stop it. And that's when you can't, when that happens, that's cancer. And so this therapy is a plasmid-mediated gene therapy. So you can't, you have a kill switch. So if you don't like it, you take tetracycline, it kills it, it's done. Ah. And so it's safe, it's safer. This is the issue with the peptides, right? Is if you're increasing cell growth and those cells are in some way negative or they're cancerous, you're kind of fucking yourself over. Always a give and take. Mm. On so statin, there is a kill switch. This With this therapy, so it's delivered via a plasmid and the protein just sets up shop in the nucleus. And so it has, the, it has increased muscle. So the delivery system is the kill switch, not the actual yeah. protein that you're delivering to the body. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. The kill switch will kill the protein expressing itself inside the nucleus, and the plasma just gets it there. Got it. Uh, but got the, it. the cool thing is, like, we, you can do sleep, diet, exercise, you can get a few extra years in life. Great, cool. But what you're talking about is, like, tell me why to be pumped about this. Yeah. It's coming. And so now we're getting these vectors. Yes. Hmm. Like, you know, can I get Fuck a gene you, genetics? Can I get a gene therapy for sleep? You know, like, yes. like the whole thing opens up. I mean, up. theoretically, even if your diet sounds boring or not, you could just rearrange this super healthy food to taste like a chocolate brownie or whatever the fuck. Mm. This is the thing. Like, this is it, guys. Like, this is oh, why we don't want to die. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> You're saying, holy there's, shit. You could, there's you could a, use gene therapy to make. Everything that you eat tastes like the best thing you've ever had. Well, maybe not gene therapy, but AI could do it if it can rearrange molecules, yeah, I mean, right? Ozempic. Reality is a, it's its own thing. It plays with reality however we want yeah. to play with reality, ideally. Ozempic changes your brain so you don't have hunger. It just turns it off. Aren't there side effects to Ozempic? Like your fucking yes. stomach so, case? Yeah, yeah. So I, so I am not uh, advocating for Ozempic. Mm -hmm. I'm just making the observation that it's happening. It's happening. Okay. Now, like, there's some serious potential side effects. Like, it may be a disastrous idea. Like, we don't know yet. I am not doing Ozempic. I wouldn't do it personally. 
But then again, I'm not 350 pounds and like really struggling. So like I'm sympathetic to yeah. where people are at and I'm not criticizing or judging. It's just like it's there, it's happening. Hmm. But yeah, like this is why this is so exciting that... And we're like how take, many years off from this? We're here. Like I just did it. I just did my gene therapy. I, I took my dad. I, did my, I took my dad hmm. there to do it. It's in Honduras off the island on, in this special economic zone, Prospera. And so my dad is... Se- <laughs> it's my, called Prospera. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My dad is 71. Yeah. His calculated life expectancy is 68. So these models of lifespan are very good. Hmm. He included his time of obesity in life, his hard drug usage. It calculates 68. So he's past two. Mm. There's a lot of people in that situation in life. And so I've been on project, you know, don't let dad die. <laughs> so I gave him yeah. a liter of my plasma. I took him through the gene therapy. I'm taking him next month to do mesenchymal stem cells in the Bahamas. So like, I think it's a really cool thing of like, what can we do in society to not die? Everyone. It's not like, you know, my dad is fighting for life. He's raging against death. Hmm. I think it's amazing. It seems like a lot of Project Don't Die is actually Project Don't Let Dad Die from what I've heard about, from what I've heard of you in other interviews. Probably. Yeah, yeah. which is noble. I'm not judging that at all. Mm-hmm. If there was a Don't Let Mom Die and I had a much smarter brain, I would be all over it. <laughs> yeah. So this is wild. The stem cells, what is he doing them for? Yeah, so they... Uh, in the Bahamas, there's a company called Celco Labs. They do uh, young Swedish bone marrow. This is why people think I'm just so like crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Swedish yeah. bone is the weirdest yeah. part. Yeah. Of catching myself here. Why Swedish? Why Swedish? Yeah, we think it's the You just said bone marrow. We'd be totally fine. Yeah. You got real specific. I say yeah. it because it's a company in Sweden. Yeah. They're, they're very good. They're good at science. Like they yeah. are structured. They're methodical. They do things at clinical grade. So we looked at doing stem cells for a long time, but you don't want to mess with stem cells. Yeah. So they met our criteria for safety, and so I did an infusion of 100 million of those uh, in, see, November. Where do you get them infused? The Bahamas. No, no, no in your body. Oh, Where? just the vein. Oh, I thought stem cells go to like a certain part, a problem area. Okay. So yeah, in March, so I guess in a month from now, I'm doing the world's first whole body joint rejuvenation with mesenchymal stem cells. I just completed MRIs of every joint in my body, and I'm going to get mesenchymal stem cells injected in every single joint so that I can play pickleball Mm. You know, we need to get you on paddle, bro. Okay. You got to get on paddle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Now that you have the joints, you should absolutely yeah, stop yeah, playing right, pickle. You play paddle with the boys. Did you beat his ass? I'll He's going to do all the protocols. Oh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the tipping point. Rip your shirt off yeah. afterward and he's in. That's the tipping point. Okay, so you're going to get every single joint done. And, and can you tell me why we have to be concerned about uh, some stem cells? Uh, yeah, because they can lead to uncontrolled growth. It, why? Uh, you just, just getting them from shady places? Yeah, or? you just like, you want to have quality controls around where they're from, how they're manufactured. Got it. You just don't want to be, have a friend with a hookup with stem cells. Stop, yeah, don't play games with the stem cells. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, any of these advanced therapies, like you really don't want to play games. And then we hear a lot about stem cells. What is it that they actually do in the body? They're representing a more youthful state. Like they're like they do the job of a more youthful state. So they rejuvenize the joints or they replace? They rejuvenate. They just, and how can you turn the clock back on the joint? Yeah. So that's what I, our objective is to get me to 18 year old joints. 
Now that is, I think, is kind of a ridiculous idea. I don't know if it's practically possible, but that's our objective. And so we're wondering. Yet. It's not practically possible. Yeah, like, but like, yeah. why not? Like, why can't we state that goal? And can we try to give a go at this thing? But you need to like rebuild everything because you, you know, you lose bone over time. Like you, like your, your, your body just deteriorates over time. Yeah. You're trying to reverse that. And so we're trying to figure out to see what we can do. Hmm. Are you, uh, are you worried about microplastics? We are mindful of them. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Like we, so I built this blueprint food stack where um, we built a bunch of products. We're trying to be the most nutritious food protocol in history. So food in our society is very dirty. And I've become uh, painfully aware of how dirty it is. Is it worse? What do you mean by dirty? And like if you look at the testing profile of what's in it. You mean it's just filled with horrible ingredients, right? Yeah, it's just is like. American food the most poisonous in the world? I don't know. Like uh, The testing we've done. Um, you know, I've become acutely aware of this because we test our own foods. Uh, like no one tests first, yeah. And then when you do test, like you're eating shit that, like you assume, like you pull up, it's like someone's got me, right? Nope. <laughs> exactly. That's that but, has been terrifying. Is like yeah, but that's shit my that's slipping through. That's my concern with like, it, or maybe it's why your system needs to be open. And yeah. why it needs to be constantly verified because we could fall into the same trap that we're in with food. Yeah. Like all mm-hmm. this health food is actually horrible for yeah. us, right? Mm-hmm. So how do we make sure that the algorithm doesn't get manipulated for the benefit of I some agree. people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but it's, go yeah. back to what you're saying. So yeah. even good foods you'll test and be like, good foods, quote unquote, but like whole foods that are, you know, grown from a garden or something like that. Are you noticing like, oh, wow, even these have like bad traces in them? Like we, for example, we were building a, a product called Super Veggie. And so it's just basically how do you get someone a clinically relevant dose, like three, three to six servings a day of, of veggies, and we put it together in a powder. So we start sourcing these powders like broccoli and cauliflower and carrot, and we get them and we look at the heavy metal and it'd be shockingly high. Hmm. Yeah. And so we had to go back to the supplier and say, you know, are you aware of the situation? This is really terrible. So just even in us sourcing from the private mm, supply chain, and what, people who what are they uh, it's a wide range of uh, responses. Like sometimes they don't know, sometimes um, they need to retest. Like, uh, so it's not like, again, the presumption is someone's got me. But Systems are in place me. that yeah. are controlled. That's not the case. And so we've learned a whole lot. Uh, we, we, had, we actually did a 10,000 run of a product. We found it high in lead and like, had to scrap the entire 10,000 run. Oh, no. Wow. Yeah, because we didn't verify soon enough. Like we, we took the vendor specs and said, great. We didn't verify uh, before purchase. Wow. So we're learning a ton of stuff. Like how do you get the, the cleanest possible supply? And then we're also starting to publish our, our testing to say like, mm. here's what the batch looks like. Even with our olive oil, we publish a COA to say, here's what the pesticide profile looks mm. like. Here's what the heavy metals look like. I do so, also think it's important branding wise that people know you're not making any, you personally aren't making any profit on this. It just goes right back in. Because that makes it all that much more trustworthy to me. Because I would look at you and be like, maybe he's just doing all this shit so he can just make billions again down the road with supplements and olive oils. So it's cool to know that mm-hmm. you're not really profiting on it. Yeah. Where are you sourcing your food that you consume? All over the world. Yeah. We, oh, okay. Every, yeah. Mm-hmm. We've, we have 130 or so ingredients we're sourcing. So how do you eat when you're here? Like you're on the road, you're traveling. I assume you're staying in like a hotel or something. I'm not sure. Where do you eat and how do you eat? Yeah, I brought, brought all my blueprint food with me. Wow. Powder form? Yeah. I'm curious about that. Like, I, I've, I've heard from people, yeah, I don't know anything about this, but like, 
smoothies, for example, strip the fiber from the nutritious elements of like the actual fruits yeah. and things. And I've heard from people that say, oh, you actually need the fiber in conjunction with the nutrients. Is that true or is that not true? I mean, we're, we think that like we're, we have a powder-based veggie product we're building. We think it's competitive with whole foods. Mm. And so you, you know, it's, vegetables and fruits are mostly water. You take away the water, you keep the same nutritional content. Hmm. And in many ways, with the powdered foods, if you have the right supply chain, you control for quality. So you know exactly what you're getting versus if you have real foods like that may be um, not prepared correctly or may have certain pesticides on it. So it's not that it's powder is worse for you. For us, it's a toss-up. And so I'm on it myself to see what happens. Interesting. We want to see with my body when I'm doing this. So I'll probably... so. I have blueprint foods. I'll probably, if I go out, I have a dinner later with people. So I'll break my routine if I'm going out with friends. I'll want to socialize and be okay. If I have an empty plate, (laughs) nobody can talk about anything except for why I have an empty plate. And I don't want that to happen because everyone's there to socialize and say what they want to talk about. So I'll get some steamed vegetables or or a salad just so I have food and I'll kind of pick away at it. But I try to do social norm compliance like, hey, everyone, we're cool. We're fine. We can focus on having fun together. It's all, you know, make our jokes. It's actually an important thing to include in the blueprint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How you can look normal. Yes. <laughs> while trying to not die. That is the right. most important thing. Because mm-hmm. as we were talking about earlier, like socialization is crucial. Yeah. And if you put yourself in a position where you're trying to not die, but you've completely excommunicated yourself from all your friends, like that's going to hurt you as well. And you're, all your scores and everything are going to go down. So, yeah, if it does mean, hey, if you're at a restaurant, just order this salad. Yeah. This is going to affect your macros or however you hmm. calculate stuff in like, the smallest way. That is so important. Yes. Yeah. It's like why O'Doul's exists. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You don't yeah. want to have to explain or yeah. you want to feel like you're one of the or people. The soda with lime. Yeah. Yeah. Soda with lime. Yeah. Yeah. Go to a party, soda with lime, you're drinking. Nobody's even <laughs> asking a question. Yeah. What about a relationship? Can you be with someone who's not on Blueprint? Boy, that's complicated. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I made this joke. Uh, You've created a new Mormonism. Only way you can be our yeah. friends, only way we yeah. can date and you yeah. subscribe to all these rules. Wow. Okay, yeah. go on though. Yeah. I mean, how do I even answer this? Um, like, I guess, yeah, I'm, I think I'm kind of a statistical anomaly in terms of like my behaviors and the way I think, the way I behave. And then if you say, what's the number of people that match up with that, with that behavioral profile? It's small. Mm-hmm. And so it's a complicated question. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's tricky. What about caffeine? Do you have any room for caffeine in the protocol? I don't. Uh, not, I mean, caffeine's fine. I just find that it makes me go on a roller coaster and I get addicted to it pretty quickly. Oh, really? So if someone was on the protocol and they were like, hey, can I have a coffee in the morning? Great. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, what I'm really like, this is just measure. Like yeah. Measure and do what's good for you, but like go to bed whenever you want, yeah. drink caffeine if you want, eat meat if you want, but like go out with friends, like just adhere do Adhere to the data though. Right. Yeah. If the data is showing, yeah, you have this like wonky mood shift mm-hmm. throughout the day, they go, okay, maybe caffeine isn't a thing yeah. for me. Um, hmm. Creatine? Yeah. Yeah, 2.5 milligrams a day, or 2.5 grams a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some people go up to five or even higher. Uh, what about, I know you said no alcohol, but what if the data shows the one glass of red wine is beneficial or not hurting you? Can someone do that? Yeah, I used to drink three ounces of wine every morning. In the afternoon for breakfast or some shit like yeah, that? Yeah, I did. Wait, yeah. why? Uh, because there are some benefits. There, there are some benefits to wine. 
Oh, okay. Yep. But it was 73 calories, and I couldn't afford the caloric intake. Other mm. calories provided a higher value, so I stopped drinking the wine. Mm. Uh, what about those pills? Didn't you have like an yeah. alcohol pill? What yeah, happened we, with those? Uh, so we are thinking about making them part of the Blueprint stack. But yeah, we Can could, you explain to them what it is? Yeah, so we basically we put two glasses of wine into a pill. It really? doesn't have the wine. Yeah. It just induces the effect yeah. oh, of the wine. Yeah. That's lit. what is it like yeah, the, yeah. the methanol or something? Like what is that in alcohol that gives you the sensation? It, uh, is, yeah. that, is that what's in the pills? It's just the health benefits of uh, okay. Yeah, oh, so it's not good. getting you drunk? No. Oh, what the fuck? Are you <laughs> for, so much less fun. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, ruined oh, your day. You Dude, I thought you figured it out. I was like, oh, dude. Yeah, but like, we, that's the thing. That's something else you could look forward to. So, dunking and then all kinds of, you know, mental experiences. Yeah. Like, can you simulate being drunk? Can you simulate like all the things I you mean, enjoy? I mean, you can stop I, myself from being hungover. Like, all like, these so are drink all as things. much as I want, not be hungover. Yeah. Or How would we do that? Just induce that state. I have without. friends working on that. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are working on the uh, no hangover pill, which is a little scary because that just increases. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I'm like yeah. Bud Light or if I'm like some yeah. alcohol company, I'm putting all the research and development into no hangovers. Yeah, exactly. Because you sell way more yeah. of the hangover inducing product, right? Yeah. yeah. Why are they not doing that? I know. I agree. Maybe <laughs> they just haven't known the technology to do it. I mean, that's you, a zero moment. You need a biologist. That's the end of society right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. There you is ever, a way AI-wise to give us all the benefits of the blueprint without having to change lifestyle. Yes. Is that something you're pursuing or is another company pursuing that like, maybe I don't have to sleep yeah. eight hours, but there's a helmet that can give me the same effects yeah. in an hour. Yeah, that's Ozambic, right? Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah, I agree. And do you know of companies that are working on this? Yes, and how everyone. Can invest in <laughs> everyone yeah. knows nobody wants to do the hard work. Yeah. Mm. Everybody wants to take a pill. So yeah, there's a lot of money going into that. Okay, before we get out of here, we could ask you questions about this forever. Before we get out of here, any um, last thoughts you'd like to leave us with? Mm. I love how this was more about AI than your daily routine. Yeah. That was really surprising. Yeah. And I hope people tap into that. It's it, There's another layer to it. There are tons of people who are like hacking what you eat and how you work out, but using AI to do it. And as being an expression of that synergy with AI yeah. is something really novel. Potentially our only path to survival. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Okay, yeah. so what do you want to leave us with? Yeah, first I would say thank you. Yeah, dude. Yeah, thank uh, you. Sure, thank you. You guys were really cool. I didn't know what to expect today. And like most of the interviews I've done over the past year since this things blew up is very predictable, right? It's like what time do you get up, how many yeah. pills you take a day, like tell me about your erections. Yeah. Uh, and that's why... I, it, there's the appetite to talk about this larger picture just really isn't there. Uh, they just so, don't know, dude. So, I think you need to tell them more about like people only are aware of what you give them, right? Their expectation is what you serve them. And uh, in a lot of your marketing, I don't see as much of the AI component like you explained it now. I have a totally different mm -hmm. idea of who you are after think, seeing this. I, like, I've heard it talked about in other podcasts, but the other stuff is just so much easier to get stuck to. Yeah. Like, yeah, but it, I've tried. We're going to talk more. I, so I, need to, I need to figure out how to repackage We're going to talk it. more cool. afterwards. So yeah. I would, I mean, cool. I would, uh, yeah. I would love your take on that. I I've ideas. tried very hard, but I would just say, yeah, I appreciate you guys because, um, if we could really internalize the possibility of how extraordinary existence could be, and we, and we could fully occupy that, we may be willing to drop 
everything. Everything. That's terrifying. Everything to have this. I mean, everything we're attached to, our identities, our status, our power, everything we care about, we may be willing to say we're in. (laughs) And it's the biggest jump of faith that the species has ever been asked to take. Yeah. And it's the most terrifying thing we could ever imagine doing. That's just not us. We like to step into known things for the most part. Like there are at times in life where we feel adventurous. We go to college and there's like a new thing. It's emerging and we get married or have a baby. And yeah. But still it's within a relatively, like we can model other people's experiences and say, it's going to be roughly like this thing. Right. Whereas this, there's no one that can tell us what it's going to be like. Right. Oh, and so it's a, one it's a, guy. You're doing your best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A, so yeah, so I, I appreciate that. The more, the more we can talk about this as a society, it's going to take all of us. I learned this game this a uh, couple of years back. I was teaching my son how to swim, and I did a quick Google search of how do you teach a kid how to swim. And I don't know if there's any science behind this. I just read this article that you could think about it three ways. One, you could get in the pool yourself and say, "Jump to me." The second is you can push them into the pool. And the third is you can show them their friend swimming. Mm. And they said the best way to show them their friend. Yeah. Because we all want to be part of the tribe. Yeah. Mm. We want to be with our friends. We want to be respected. We want to be there. And if we could lock in, when these existential moments of AI crisis happen, and we say, what the fuck? What now? If we can pull up and say, we have a new game to play and we're ready to play it. That to me would be the most extraordinary thing we could do. And that's what I think we in our 25th century states would say, we did it. Mm-hmm. We were, we were uh, prescient, we were present, and we saw it. And we stepped into it when, it when it came up. So if we can, as a species, do it. And that's very hard. Everyone's very busy and we're all locked in on our games. And so it's a big ask, but I, I really think we can do it. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what's happening. Yeah. Thank, you, <laughs> Thank you so much, Brian. Appreciate, Appreciate you. Guys. Brian Johnson, everybody. Go check him out. He's all over YouTube. Type the name in. All the videos are going to pop up. I am uh, so glad that you came by. Thank you very yes, much. Thanks, awesome. Really.